Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 64 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for June 2022. My name is Jonathan Leung. I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. In the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. A little, little hot. You know, it, it, everybody talks about Texas being hot, but it's, I think, hot for us. Like, this time of year. It seems extra hot. Yeah. Or maybe we just jump, we just skipped spring and just jumped right into summer. <laughs> well, we did, it did actually cool off a little bit and it's supposed to cool off a little bit. Uh, hopefully it's very nice and pleasant where you are, but yes, this may has been more hot than usual, I would say. Well, I Usually think New York, don't... I think New York spo- spoiled me 56 degrees, 60 degrees, you know. Yeah, I think that spoiled me a little bit. So obviously, Tim, you went to New York since yes. the last live show, so tell us about how that went. Well, it was a great trip. I was up uh, upstate New York. If you live up in the Rochester, Syracuse area, I was Webster. I was up in that area, which is just a... Uh, John and I, I forget how pretty it is. It's like... It's kind of summery there, but it's like early spring here. Like everything was blooming, lots of green, tons of trees and grass and just... Uh, I wish I or get in trouble probably for driving and taking pictures in my car, so I didn't take as many as I'd like to. But just all these old barns and cool, cool look like uh, puzzles, like you're taking pictures of puzzle pieces or something all around. So if you live up in that area, um, you you really live in a now the gas and stuff was a little more expensive here in Texas, and uh, food was about the same I think. But and I had some really good food. Had some great Italian food. Uh, I think I've come up with a new restaurant concept. I, I liked one. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that in the after show. But uh, a great visit. If you live up in that area, I know why people live there. Now, I wasn't there when there were three feet of snow probably in the winter. Right. <laughs> but uh, definitely a great place to visit in the spring and the summer. Now, Tim, you not only went there, but you also went to El Paso, Texas, correct? Yes, I was in El Paso, and I did get to go to arcade there that I had a, a couple times. I actually enjoyed it so much, I went back and watched a game there and uh, played some pinball and stuff. So, kind of, you ever just go play a pinball game, you kind of get in the pinball fever again. I was like, man, I, I really liked Stranger Things, I will say that about, <laughs> I really liked, that's one of my favorite pinballs that I played in a while, and of course... The new season's out. Been watching that. Been thinking about playing the pinball. Man, it's like, oh, if I bite the bullet on a new pinball, it may be a Stranger Things before long. But anyway, it was a good, good, two good trips overall. Getting ready to go to Orlando 
If you're in that area, please uh, let me know. I would love to uh, visit with somebody that or, or play some games, find a good uh, arcade bar or something to hang out in. So let me know if you're in those area. Uh, Northern Orlando, I should say, is where I'll be near Leeds, Leesburg, somewhere like that. Anyway, so lots of traveling these days. Um, probably about 25% of my job right now is travel. But anyway, how you been? I'm good. So uh, I will say that, Tim, the reason I know Tim went to El Paso is you actually shot me pictures of the place that you went to. Yes. The arcade there. So he will be talking about that. Still doing a tech tip this month. Tim, oh, we're going to do a Tim's travel segment. Oh, good. So, I like to because that was a cool concept and setup. I really liked it. And good food. Right, so you get to you get to take us on your journey to uh, to this arcade bar that he went to in El Paso. So make sure that you stay tuned for that. Of course, guys, we will be covering your questions as we always do. We've got several of them over the past month that we'll be covering here on the show, Tim. So we hope that you stay tuned for those. And Tim, we have the live chat here tonight, and looks we have looks like we have a good crew already. We have Delusionals Arcade says hi all. We have the real Hammer Billy Lee is here. Mr. Dwayne seventy nine is here. YouTube Punk, of course, Tim. Encore MPW says I'm here before it kills me. And you'll notice that tonight's uh, ep- Episode title, Tim, uh-huh. is This Thing is Trying to Kill Me. Uh-huh. We will talk okay. about that a little bit as we go on. Uh, we always like to pick titles, guys, that kind of go along with the questions that we're going to be answering. So, Tim, as you can imagine, there's some people who think these things are trying to kill them. So we're uh, going to talk about that here in a bit. I think I've, had a, I've owned that game before, I think. There, <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. YouTube Punk says Texas is extra crispy right now, Tim. Yes. <laughs> so we're supposed to get a cold front coming through our part of Texas, Tim, but that doesn't mean all of Texas. Uh, Tim, as, as he mentioned, was in El Paso. That's actually on the far side from where we are. Yeah, so was, the far west side. We're on it the far was ninety seven there one day, and you know everybody says, "Oh, it's a dry heat." Uh, go stick your head in an oven, put it on ninety seven. That's what it was like. <laughs> it was. I don't dry, humid. I don't care. Ninety seven was hot for this time of year to me, but. Anyway, uh, definitely uh, got to enjoy the hotel pool one day. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny's here. Uh, hi, guys. Nice seeing you. Uh, let's see again. Nice having a show on my 48th birthday today. Oh, happy, happy birthday. birthday, Danny. Way so, to go, Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does the Chuck E. Cheese song go? Uh, happy, happy birthday. Hey, we're so, uh, right, yeah, we're so glad you came. Something, something, anyway. something, something, forgot yeah. it completely. Feliz Cumpleaños, day, day Chucky. <laughs> yeah. been, work, been working on your, on your uh, Spanish. <laughs> yeah, actually. been in El Paso. Uh, so yes, happy birthday to Danny. Yeah. Glad you're you're celebrating your birthday with us. I mean, you know, you can celebrate your birthday a lot of ways, but this is the best way. There in you our go. Opinion. So there we go. Uh, let's see. Okay. I think we're caught up here. Okay. Are we good? Let's go. So remember that you can interact with us during the show in the live chat, guys. We try to get in all the questions there as we go through the show. So if you do have questions, comments, uh, any kind of things, maybe we'll take polls from time to time. Make sure that you uh, respond in the live chat if you are watching us live. And we're so glad to have you all here tonight. It's always great to have a, uh, a good audience for the show. You guys make the show, in my opinion. So uh, always glad to have you here. Uh, anyway, Tim, I think we're about done with all kind of the pre-show kind of okay. stuff. So let us go ahead and move on to our questions for this month. And the first one we have here, Tim, is from Lori. Oh, wrong one. And Lori says, wondering if you can help me figure out where to get a replacement bulb for the main screen on my very old Galaga cocktail cabinet. I just watched some of your videos and feel brave enough to open it up, but I am concerned with potentially toxic chemicals. Do the main bulbs inside have harmful chemicals? When it blew, it made a weird sound and visible smoke. Honestly, I unplugged it right then and haven't have done nothing with it. LOL. Thank you for your help. Lori from Bentonville, Arkansas, which okay. is uh, what the headquarters of Walmart, right? Yes. So there you go. So Tim, we have Lori here and 
it looks like she's having problems with her Galaga. Now, she calls it a bulb, and I think yeah. we're, we're probably thinking that you're talking about the tube. Yeah. So, considering that you're saying, you know, the way you're talking about, like, monitor and stuff like this. So, probably talking about a monitor tube here, Tim. But she's worried because she's got the courage to open it up, but she's worried that there may be some toxic chemicals or something in there, Tim. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know what you think about that. Obviously, we're around these things all the time, Lori, so I can tell you, you know, from personal experience so far, I don't think we've really had any... Any bad interactions, per se, we've probably come in contact with something. But, Tim, what advice can you give Lori as far as getting uh, her game back up and running? Well, obviously, um, I- anything from that era, you know, all those who are watching this who grew up and drank from a water hose and sat in a car without a seatbelt, you survived. Everything's going to be okay. But th- I would say that there probably is some chemicals um, in the tube. We know that there's lead for sure in the tube. Yes. And so, you know, by all means, you, you should take precautions and probably, but we have worked on literally hundreds of them. And you can take that with a grain of salt because you could end up like us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, you know, so that may be the, may be the, what, what holds you back. But what I would do is just be, be super careful when it's plugged in. As long as everything is off, you should be okay. Just be super careful when the game is on and you're up close. By all means, I would, uh, if you want to, wear a mask or something. Try to keep from inhaling. Uh, we all have soldered and stuff before and really smelt some bad stuff. Kind of smells like a, if you've ever caught a milk jug on fire or something. Those burning chemical smells. So there is some stuff there that you probably should be careful around. Having said that, most of it is pretty concentrated, and once you get that initial puff or whatever, it kind of goes away pretty quickly. You don't, it doesn't linger there too much, and I don't know of too many residual things, but by all means, you know, to each his own. Uh, I know I have a lot of allergies and stuff, and just some of the dust and stuff uh, bothers me a lot of times when we're working. I'll start sneezing or whatever. So take whatever precautions you feel are necessary. I don't think that um, you're in a super risk, but we do want to be cautious when we're working around those things. Um, you know, if you want to wear, uh, of course, now that I wear glasses all the time, Jonathan, I don't think about it as much, but I have had stuff hit my glass before. You know, I'm like, I'm glad I had them on. So maybe some safety goggles or some splash goggles wouldn't be a bad idea. And uh, maybe if you want to wear some plastic gloves, you know, I've got to wear, now that I wear gloves a lot for work, and, uh, you know, before it seemed so, uh, now I can throw them on and off I'm like a surgeon now, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got it down pretty good to where a lot of times when I'm working on a game, I'll put gloves on just because it keeps my hands clean. I can just take them off, throw them away, and I don't have to scrub them for hours and stuff like that. So... Some, uh, you know, the blue gloves that protect you against chemicals, maybe a mask, maybe some splash goggles, wouldn't be a bad idea, especially if, if that's a concern of yours. If you have a, a fear now, um, you know, uh, we grew up, or when we were working, you've seen our videos with Stan. You know, Stan would probably lick a chassis and not think nothing about it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but Stan's just a little crazy like that. But at the same time, I've never, I've never seen any of us really have any harm uh, Michael as many chassis as he's worked on I've never seen him wear a mask or take extra precautions although besides discharging the monitor so I, I say be careful but at the same time I wouldn't have a huge fear over that I would think that it's ultra rare 
Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of times when you guys see us working, you'll see us with, uh, you'll see us outside. We usually work on the arcade games in the garage or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so we've been working over at Tim's garage a lot. So, I mean, I mean, sometimes we'll work on them inside, but a lot of times we are outside for that. So that kind of dissipates some of that. Uh, like Tim mentioned, you can take additional precautions. You can wear masks. You can wear eye protection. You can wear gloves and things like that. But, um, I mean, a lot of us have been working on games forever, like you mentioned, Tim, right. and we really haven't had any bad side effects as far as we know. So, I mean, but, like, here's the thing. If you do have, like, a tube implode on you, which it doesn't sound like that in... in doesn't sound like it happened in this no. case, Lori. But if you do, that's different to me. Like, if a, a tube cracks or something like that, you do need to be more careful around that. But um, in this particular case, you probably just had something, some electrical component on the chassis that died. It could have yeah. been a flyback more than likely. Or hot or something. Yeah, some, yeah, with the smoke amount that you're yeah. talking about, probably a flyback is what I'm thinking. Could be a cap. It's possible. We've seen them smoke like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but flybacks are very common to smoke like that, so probably a flyback. But whatever it is, um, like Tim mentioned, once it kind of comes out of there... It, it usually is gone. It's like it's not going to keep blowing smoke, right? Tim? Right. It's kind of like it'll blow smoke and then it's gone. So at this point, uh, you're probably safe to to you know open the back and if you want to let it, let it air out a bit, you're probably okay there. And then you can proceed to removing the chassis and doing all the rest of the repairs on it. So, Tim, let me go ahead and put this up so we can see that. So yes, CRT monitors do contain toxic materials such as lead, cadmium. Uh, barium, etc. The majority of these materials are in the tube itself and may be released if it becomes damaged, like we talked about. In our experience, it is very difficult to damage a tube that has been properly mounted in an arcade cabinet. Uh, key word there, Tim, properly mounted in an arcade cabinet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, more than likely, the smoke that you saw came from an electrical component on the monitor chassis. Um, flyback, very common for this, like like we mentioned. While the smoke can also be toxic, there's usually not enough of it released to do any harm. And like we talked about, once it's released, like these caps here, you know, some of them probably you know, you can see that they're kind of popping a little bit. Sometimes the smoke comes out of those. Once that smoke is released, it, it won't continue to release smoke. Right. It'll it'll kind of release it and then it's done. So at that point, you should be able to just take it out. So, I mean, with the game unplugged right now, you should be able to um, discharge the monitor, remove the chassis, and then kind of figure out what's going on with it. Right. So. I would say if you did this for a living and you did nothing but eight hours a day worked on chassis, you probably should be a little bit more... Cautious, but for the average collector that's just going to work on a chassis every once in a while, I would say it probably is very minimal, any more than you would get anywhere else in town or going to the, uh, going outside. You know, you're just, as long as you're not in a confined space, like you said, it was a good point, Jonathan, about a lot of times we always would have, if nothing else for the heat, you know, we'd have garage doors open, fans on or whatever. So just be careful. I think it's a great, uh, I love this question because I think maybe sometimes we don't want to be flipping about it because just because we haven't been hurt, you know, 999 times that one out of a thousand time, uh, we do want to be careful. I had a cap explode, uh, near my ear, uh, one time and, uh, pretty much had ringing in my ears for about three days but the game was on like i said so be careful with the game on i think you're a lot more trouble than you are once it's off something fails it usually dissipates pretty quickly sounds good so Lori, hopefully it answers your question and good luck with the repair uh what did she say she had here tim I, on your galaga cocktail cabinet oh, nice. so that's a little bit different too because i mean when you open up a cocktail cabinet it's pretty wide open especially yeah. a galaga like that because the way that the um the top of it kind of folds over on that hinge you, you have a pretty open space for all of that so i mean once you open it up anything that's in there uh, should dissipate pretty quickly so but a great a great question nonetheless um you know we just 
you got to understand, we grew up in that era where we just really didn't think about stuff like that, and probably should have in some instances. Yeah, um, Tim, you know, I watched um, HBO Max documentaries, guys, they get me all the time. The mm-hmm. one I've been watching the ones on makeup, and the one about the talc and how they can't separate like, oh, asbestos yeah. from talc and stuff like that. I mean, you know, but like all of us grew up with baby powder, right? right. I mean, it is what it is. So, I mean, by the time my daughter was born, we kind of knew better, but, um, but you know... When I was growing up, man, it's like uh, a baby powder was a thing, right? Yeah. So, uh, let's see. We got here. Delusional's Arcade says, um, Flyback went poof on that bulb, a.k.a. tube. Um, and he says, I'd be more concerned about discharging the monitor. Right. Yeah, probably. Uh, let's see. Uh, just catching up here. Did anyone consider it was just the ninja hiding it? Or, let's see. I'm not... I'm trying to catch up here, Tim. Okay, Sometimes that's, that's fine. Sorry, but I'm looking here. So... Okay, I think we're good. Okay. So I think I think I see a YouTube Punk and Delusional's Arcade kind of talking back and forth here. So I'll let them talk, and, <laughs> right. and we will move on from Lloyd's question to Matt's question, Tim. Okay. So here we go. Uh, Matt says, "Hi, my name is Matt, and I recently picked up a 24.8 inch Mac Vision Arcade CRT monitor. It, I was installing it. I plugged it in, and it started blowing fuses on the degaussing coil. Okay. The previous owner had pushed it in between the brackets. So I'm assuming I'm." By the way, that's phrased him. I'm assuming he pushed the degaussing coil in between the brackets, maybe when he was trying to install the monitor or something like that. Um, I just wonder if there's a way to repair that or what I should do about that. Thank you. So it sounds like it is popping fuses because the um, degaussing coil is shorting okay, yeah. somehow. And so, and he thinks it's because it got pinched between the brackets at some point. Okay. Okay. So what do you think he should do in this case? What can Matt do in order to um, in order to repair the degaussing coil? Okay, well, assuming we're talking about the one that's built in around the tube and stuff. So, most of the time, yeah, any kind of wires that get pinched and they're bare, that they're, they're, they're gonna do that. Fortunately, you don't really need it. Right. Uh, if you have your own degaussing coil, he could just unplug it from where it goes into the board. Um, and you could just use a wand, and once you did that, occasionally you'd probably just fine. Or you could literally just repair the wire, just like we do any other wire. You know, you would uh, strip it back, um, use some heat shrink tubing across it, wire, solder it back together, uh, put the tube back over it, shrink it back up. Um, if it was me, um, I probably would try to repair it, just because... It's there, and it's not that hard to fix. It's pretty quick. Um, or I'd just be lazy and just unplug it. If it didn't make a difference and you don't move the game, you probably won't even notice it. But uh, it kind of depends on the game and where you have it uh, stored, which one I would do. But one of the two, I would either just quickly repair a broken wire, which we've got videos that show us talk about wiring and how to do that. Or I would just get another uh, a handheld degaussing wand, which is really good to have around anyway uh i know we have some recommendations on those and i would just occasionally degauss it if it needed it yeah and tim the thing is is that the degaussing coil is pretty basic there's not a lot to it if it did get pinched in a certain area you should just be able to go in and even you don't necessarily have to necessarily repair it just more likely just just wrap it with some electrical tape right there because when it got pinched it may just exposed it so that may be hitting like some metal or something else shorting something else and so if you can just fix that one area by wrapping some electrical tape or something else around it, it'll probably work. Right. Um, I don't think there's anything to it, you know. Uh, like I said, it happens all the time because, I mean, at, that degaussing coil, it doesn't, a lot of times it's not, 
um, it's not like zip tied on. It's just kind of laying right. on the monitor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll zip tie them just to make sure they stay in place, but not all the time. Sometimes we'll just lay them up there. And so, like you said, when you're moving it around, sometimes it will pinch in a bracket or something like that. And so wrapping it with electrical tape usually works fine. And uh, Delusional's Arcade says, wrap the whole thing in electrical tape happens to me. Yeah, we've seen this yeah. a lot. So I'll go ahead and throw this up here. But Tim, I think you made a good point in the fact that um, we use degaussing coil interchangeably for external and internal degaussing right. coils. So let's talk about that for a second as well. So it's important to note that Matt is talking about the built-in degaussing coil that wraps around the monitor tube. And Tim, I have pictures here. So uh-huh. I put the check mark on the one that goes around the tube, and I put the X on the, <coughs> on the handheld external one. Okay. So this is not to be confused with an external degaussing coil like the one we use in our video on using a degaussing coil. So... Usually a degaussing coil like the one we're talking about wraps around the monitor tube and whenever the tube is activated, it powers up the degaussing coil so it can degauss the monitor real quick so when it first comes on, it can get rid of any of that magnetic interference is what we're hoping to do. So with that said, it's possible that the part that part of the degaussing coil was exposed when it got pinched between the brackets. We recommend removing the degaussing coil from the monitor, checking for any exposed areas. You can re- repair these areas by wrapping them with electrical tape, or if you want to go the heat shrink route, like Tim mentioned, you could do that as well. Reinstall it when you are finished and see if it still blows the fuse. So, yeah, you guys got a good point with the electrical tape because most of the time you see the degaussing coil around, it's wrapped all in a, in tape. Yes, it is already right because you don't want any of those areas exposed. Like we said, it's very easy they can short with the location that the degaussing coil is in. So any mm-hmm. exposed areas can cause a short in a fuse to blow like that. So just make sure that all the areas are wrapped up properly. If you see any areas that may be pinched or damaged, go ahead and just wrap them with some more electrical tape. Get the good stuff. Yep. Don't cheap out on the electrical tape like Tim nope. mentions, mm-hmm. 3M or some other quality brand, and then you should be in good shape. So, Tim, anything else for Matt before we move on? No, I don't think so. It was a good, good, another good question tonight. So, I like the variety tonight. Sounds good. So, Matt, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck getting that degaussing coil working and to stop shorting out your fuse there. So, okay, Tim, we got a question from Knights of Old. He says, "Could you talk about how to keep your arcade in an unheated, conditioned garage safely?" So, um, so it says unheated condition. So, um, where do you, do you live somewhere cold would be my question. Yeah. How how cold are we talking? Or, you know, there's, uh, like I was talking about upstate New York cold and then there's Antarctic or Alaska cold, you know, that I would probably, as long as there's some kind of insulation in there, it doesn't get below, um, zero. I think you, you know, 20 degrees or so would be really cold. Um, you know, I think that as long as it doesn't get too cold in there or just by playing it, um, some would probably help with that. But if it really, if you're in a situation where it does stay under freezing for most of the winter and you are concerned about that, uh, then, you know, you probably should, could look at some insulation, um, particularly, but you got to understand most of the components and maybe we should shoot a video on this, Jonathan, sometime. Just check the temperature. Use a, a, a thermometer or whatever. See what it's actually inside of your game because those are pretty hot boxes to begin with. So you're probably adding 10 or 15, 20 degrees, I would think, just from it being uh, closed up like that. So as long as it's everything stays closed up and intact, I've worked on plenty of games out in here in Texas. We don't normally get that cold, but on I can think of a uh, Miss Pac-Man I worked on this winter. It was literally snow on the ground. Um, it was pr- really cold that day, and it fired up worked just fine. I don't think you have a major problem unless it's for a long period of time, like 
days and days and days. If you live somewhere where you can ice skate, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that might be a good determination. If you ever have ice skated near your house, uh, then you might look at, uh, and then of course you could get a portable heater or something just to keep a little chill out of the room. But I think you'd be pretty, pretty, uh, safe on most, most things. Now, um, but like I said, keeping any cracks, uh, if your back door is not secured very good or your front door is coming open, thinking keeping that thing closed up for the most part. And like I said, you're talking to two guys who aren't experts in cold weather at all. So if you guys live up north uh, and you want to chime in, uh, some things that you might do. But I would think that any uh, type of heat, um, if it's that cold and you don't want to go down and play it, then you know maybe it, it needs some kind of heater in there or whatever. But for the most part, they should... Most of them I've ever seen uh, withstand the cold pretty good. No, he says um, he's in Seattle, usually not below 30 degrees. Can't yeah. get hot, though. So here's the deal. You're not getting as hot as we are, though. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I mean, we get up to 100. Like, during August, they count the number of days we're above 100. Usually that's more than 45. Right. And so we're above 100 degrees here, you know, probably 45 days consecutively out of the year. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, we've worked on games. We never had any problem with them. Um the opposite would hold true if you want to keep the back of the um, of the arcade open, yeah. you know, to let it air out a little bit more. Uh, something we always recommend is installing fans, Tim, in your game to make sure that you get good airflow. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're in a hot climate or if you think it's going to be a hot time. Seattle, I mean, compared to where we are, I was, is a little bit more mild. It's probably more in the middle than we are, Tim, as far as the hot goes. Mm-hmm. So, but we do try to install fans and good airflow through our games no matter what, especially cocktail cabinets because they're a little bit more compressed. Big arcades, you know, there's there's more room in there for the heat to kind of, you know, get out. But in a, in a cocktail cabinet, it's all kind of compressed down. So in that, you definitely want to have some fans or something to get that airflow through there. But um, if it's in a garage, um, seeing several garages and several people do this where we insulate mm-hmm. the, even the garage door, Tim, we insulate the garage door, we mm-hmm. insulate the garage, and then we put a window unit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does heat, heating and cold. And so, and it, it costs a little bit to do that, but you know, it will, it will keep your games in better shape, I think. I think so. And, you know, um, well, I'm pulling a Biden right now. I've lost my train of thought there for a second. <laughs> we we're talking about hot and cold. Yeah, but, but, you know, I have, window units and we have definitely had the problems with the hot more than anything. Any game that has kind of been a grail, or something personally I knew I was going to keep for a while, I usually added more fans always because it seemed like they never ran. And then it kind of depends on the game. Like pole position, man, you, you know, you can you could have 10 fans in that thing and it still give you a hard time. But so other games seem to just handle the heat a little bit better. But um, by all means, even cold or hot, a little airflow really helps. Absolutely. So, Knights of Old, hopefully that answers your question. Uh I, Josh, hey, Josh is here. Tim, he says, um, hey guys, my first live show in a while. Sadly, glad to see you guys are doing them. Josh in Victoria, Texas. Hey, so, Josh. How's it going? <laughs> uh, let's see. Danny says, I've had all my arcades in my garage and do keep some kind of heat in, in the winter, but I don't have problems with them. I live in Indiana. Yeah, you see, in, in most cases, you're going to be within the operating temperature, Tim, of mm-hmm. what, of what these electronics are made to handle. If you're outside of that operating temperature, that's when things can get a little rough. 
So if you're above 110 degrees Fahrenheit, I would say, mm-hmm. or if you're below zero for consecutive periods of time, then you may you, that that may cause some issues at that point. But as long as you're kind of in between those, you're probably okay for the most part. Um, I would think so. If you had an arcade in your town growing up, you're probably okay. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, he also says, any tips on where to get awesome, colorful 70s, 80s arcade style rugs and carpet, Tim? There was a place. Mm-hmm. There was a place. Um, I've seen uh, Wayfair carries some of that. Yeah, Wayfair.com. I was say Wayfair and Amazon. Uh, I was trying to think. Amazon carries some of that stuff too. Um, there used to be a commercial catalog that we get that stuff from back when we actually were operators. Do you remember that? I'm thinking. I can't remember the name of the catalog though. Um, but somebody said um, maybe Etsy. That's YouTube yeah. Funk, maybe. Uh, but. But uh, Wayfair has stuff like that, I know, and then Amazon has stuff like that for sure. So those would be probably my two go-tos. But if you were looking to actually get, like, carpet to put down, um, you might check with one of your local flooring places to see if they have that. Um, but commercial-grade carpet is what you want to look in. They mm-hmm. have catalogs for commercial-grade carpet. And a lot of movie theaters still use the arcade-style carpeting, Tim. Yeah, I think so. So it's very common in those. So um, so like I said, make it a commercial-grade carpet catalog. Yeah, I haven't bought any in a while, but I wouldn't think that it would be too difficult. And you may even ask your local carpet distributor for some novelty-type carpet stuff like that, and they may have a catalog or some odd stuff they can find for you. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> okay. Is that every everybody? think we got it okay right. i think we're caught up right there yeah i've seen the arcade one-up guys like to put the rugs and the the 80s style carpet in there the people who collect the one-ups i've seen a lot of people with their home arcades with that stuff so um speaking of that tim i bought two arcade one-ups since oh, the last nice. show i think or did i talk about them no i think oh. i think i bought them since the last show i bought a, I, I bought a pac-man no i, I haven't that. talked about them the pac-man on clearance and the more combat two on clearance I think well, we talked but about they're put together <laughs> they are put together now so. that's the difference yeah. uh, i took the pac-man we had a little family reunion over the memorial day weekend and so i actually took the pac-man because i don't care if it gets beat up right because it was cheap and it worked and uh the How, kids had a blast on it really they liked it yeah it got a little beat up um some of the clear coating came off but to be honest with you it still looks good even with the it clear coat off good. they they um they do a good job on the clear coat it's pretty tough uh, especially with kids and moving it and stuff like that. Now, is this as tough as a regular arcade game? No. But did I pay what I pay for a regular arcade game? No, no exactly. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it, it's, you kind of get what you pay for. But for the most most part, the Pac-Man held up pretty well. And uh, for the price I paid for, it was fine. So, there you okay. go. So, I still like them. still like them. <clears throat> Let's see. Okay, are we good? We're good. Okay, Tim. Let us move to our next question. And that is from Glenn. And Glenn says, Hi there, guys. Big fan of your videos. My name is Glenn. I need an arcade repair tip and thought you might be able to answer it on your show. I have a vintage cocktail table, a midway non-jama Galaxian board with a 13-inch CRT monitor. I think it's 13-inch, but I'm not sure. And, and Tim, uh, the Galaxian uh, cocktails, I believe, were the 13-inch. Yes, stuff. most of them I've seen have been 13-inch. Right. The gameplay's fine, but the colors are off. There's no white, and score is difficult to read because it's purple. The Galaxians are red, not blue as in most games. I believe there's a problem with the CRT monitor, but I'm not sure where to start. My uneducated guess is that the monitor is missing the green color, as I cannot see it. Uh, and Timmy actually sent this picture in here. Okay. Is this a cap kit issue on the monitor or color gun, or could this be the PC board too? PCB board too. Is this worth fixing? I have attached an image so you can understand how the colors are wrong. Any tips and advice are welcome. Regards, Glenn, in Orange County, California. And Tim, it does look... Um, just at first glance, it does look like we're missing some green in that picture. Yeah. I don't see a lot of it there, and Galaxians usually has a fair bit of it in the, um, in the screen. Uh-huh. So I think, I think Glenn's assessment here may be correct that we are probably missing some green color on this monitor. So Tim, with that in mind, what can Glenn do to get his Galaxian arcade 
cocktail going again. Well, you know, I think I'll start off here because we have a great video on testing the tube. Right. Because the tube will actually show you which colors are working on your tube. If your tube is good, which it probably is, uh, and you know you haven't just a color and you've tried to adjust and everything, then you've probably got a transistor that is bad. And uh, you could swap those to see if it changes uh, or just go ahead and replace that. Uh, if it's not a transistor, then you, of course, you know, we're going to recommend. A, a, it'd be a good time while you're going to take it out to just go ahead and do a cap kit on it. That will help and solve some color issues. And then you can replace, I would, if you're going to replace one transistor, you might as well replace all three of them and just do a kind of re- monitor rebuild, which is not hard, especially on a small 13-inch chassis like that. You may have more than three color drive transistors, because some of them have them on the chassis and on the neck board. True. You may have more than that. It just depends on the monitor chassis that you have here. But it's definitely a color issue. Now, it could. Now you asked if it could be your tube, your color gun. It could be your tube. It could uh, be. In the video that Tim mentioned, we show you how to check your tube to make sure you're getting the green. So do that test. Make sure you're getting green when you do that. Okay? If you are, that means the tube, the green gun in the tube is probably good. So, uh, And then the other thing is, could it be the PCB board? It could be, but that's rare. It's rare Very that we're rare. missing a color on, from the PCB. Um, it is possible. We've seen it before. We've seen it... Um, <laughs> uh, Silly Sausage 72 actually mentioned Soul Calibur. We've seen it on a Soul Calibur board. Right, yeah. where the board itself was missing the color red. So, I mean, uh, we've seen PCBs where the colors are missing. That's more rare, though. Typically, it's a monitor issue. I'm going to say 85% of the time it's a monitor issue. 15% of the time you may have a board issue. And it may even be 90-10 when we really think about it. So, uh, for the most part, this is probably either going to be the color gun or a color drive transistor somewhere on your chassis that's causing the issue. So let's check those transistors first, like Tim mentioned, mm-hmm. and then go from there. So I'm going to go ahead and put this up here, Tim, so we can kind of summarize all that. From your description, it's possible that the problem could be in any one of the three areas that you mentioned. Monitor, color gun, PCB. With that said, let's start off with the monitor first. Check the color drive transistors on the monitor chassis and do a test on the green gun to make sure it's working properly. We discussed these steps in the video that Tim mentioned in post on checking a monitor tube. Probably not a bad cap in this case. Because you, you me- Lynn mentioned, would it be a cap kit? Probably not a cap a cap kit in this case. But if you're going to take the monitor chassis out and it hasn't had a cap kit, install the cap kit. That's always what we're going to say because it's just, it's better overall if you do that. You don't want to have to pull the monitor out. Like, you get the color drive transistors working and then a month later, like, you start getting screen fold over or something like that Mm -hmm. because you have bad caps. It happens all the time. So go ahead and do the cap kit if you're pulling it out. Um, But if the color drive transistors in the tube are all good, then it is possible that you have a board issue. You can try tracing back through the PCB from the green video output pin to see if there's any problems. So you're basically going back through that trace to see, like, it'll go to a chip and then seeing if that chip is functioning properly and then going through there, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think that about covers it for Glenn's question here. Tim, is there anything else that you want to add before we move on? Yeah, that uh, probably, like we both agree, that the board is the last issue. It's probably more of a wiring issue before it's a board issue. Uh, that would probably be the most rare. So. Yeah, and that's something else we didn't mention, Tim, is making sure that the wires coming from your PCB to the monitor chassis are making a good connection. As we know, we have a red, green, blue ground sync, so if mm-hmm. your green wire is not making the good connection from the game board there, then that could be a problem too. Solder on the input pins all the time, because uh-huh. those, those, those develop cracked and broken solder joints more than any other part of an arcade monitor that I've yep. seen, so. Uh, so, Glenn, hopefully answers your question, and uh, good luck getting your Galaxian game back working 100% there. 
Okay, Tim, back to Silly Sausage 72. I have a Soul Calibur 2 cabinet, and the cab kind of looks like Mortal Kombat cab. Do you know if they use the same cab? has a 25-inch monitor in it, and I've been thinking about converting it. So Soul Calibur 2, um, I don't think it had a dedicated cabinet, Tim. Okay. I think it was only available in kits. kits. Mm-hmm. So I think what you probably have is a Mortal Kombat-style cabinet. Now, Tim... There's a lot of games that use that Mortal Kombat style cabinet. Right. Killer Instinct use that. Mortal Kombat use that. Um, what other games use that? Several several Midway style games use that style of cabinet. That's a Midway 25-inch cabinet to me. So you could see if there's any artwork still under, if it's painted black. See if there's any artwork under there. That would tell you what it is. But I wouldn't be surprised <coughs> if you find Killer Instinct, Mortal Kombat, right. something like that underneath. And, uh, you know, if you want to convert it back, convert it back. Now... Uh, Tim knows I'm a huge Killer uh, Soul Calibur fan, but I also like Mortal Kombat and Killer Instinct. And Tim, I like cabinets to be what they originally were. So if you've got a Killer Instinct cabinet, yeah, yeah think about bring it back. Check inside the back door. You yep. may have a serial number or decal or instructions or something that might help you get a clue as what that game was originally from the factory. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes they do have serial numbers and things. Midway cabinets specifically usually have a sticker on the back, Tim. Mm-hmm. But as we know, those stickers, I mean, we're talking about 20-plus years on those stickers now in a lot of cases, they will lose adhesiveness and peel right off, sure. or an operator will take them off or whatever. So um, it's not uncommon that you don't find that, but at the same time, it's worth looking around to see if you do. So. Let's see what else we have here. Um, yeah, YouTube Punk says, wasn't Soul Calibur at a kit. It was. Soul Calibur 2, I'm pretty sure, it was only a kit. I don't think they made a dedicated cabinet for it. Uh, Knights of Old, has, arca- has the arcade one-up phase over the past few years changed the vintage arcade hobby at all? Prices and availability? I don't think so. I think that the natural increase of, in prices is just due to the uh, supply and demand, Tim. I think I that so. we've seen less supply and more demand. I think a lot of people who invest in arcade one-ups are probably not people who are going to go out and spend you know the money for, for full-size cabinets. But the arcade one-up gives them a close enough simile to an arcade game that they're happy with that and the price is a lot cheaper. So um, from my perspective, I don't think it's put a damper on the arcade collecting hobby at all. People who want full-size cabinets will still get full-size cabinets. Um, if anything's affected the price and availability of like original arcade cabinets, it's probably barcades more than anything. Maybe. Uh, so bar arcades are probably the thing that, and more and more businesses using like classic arcade games in their business. I think that's probably affected it more than anything. But arcade one ups to me just give people an avenue to have arcade games in their house who may not have been able to afford them in the past. So, I mean, this kind of depends. I mean, but uh, it, the nice thing about arcade bars, though, is they may be buying up the games, but they're putting them out for people to play, which is where you want the games to be anyway. So, mm-hmm. let's see what else we got. Um, Real Hammer Billy Lee, a lot of 90s Midway Mortal Kombat style cabinets were converted into games like Soul Calibur 2. That's right. What does an operator do, Tim, when a game's not making money anymore? I'll switch it out and put something else that will. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So if Mortal Kombat 2 ain't making the money it used to, uh, we're going to convert this thing to a Killer Instinct, to a Soul Calibur 2, to an NBA Jam, to whatever makes money. Even, <laughs> even if it was a frogger in the beginning. That's right, exactly. So, and uh, how many, how many cabinets <laughs> go to an arcade auction? Just count how many a- cabinets now are Street Fighter 2. Right. I mean, golly. I mean, they were converting everything to Street Fighter 2. I've seen Pac-Man's converted to Street Fighter 2, Tim, and that like, sure. breaks my heart all the time. Okay, so, I mean, it's one of those things, guys. Operators will convert games to whatever is profitable. So, uh, let's see. Josh C., um, out of y'all's entire time collecting or pairing, what was the one game uh, most difficult to troubleshoot and what was the solution for me? 2011, pole position not booting. That mystery remains, LOL. Mm-hmm. Pole position's not an easy one to troubleshoot, Josh, for sure. Um, let's see, for us, the hardest thing to troubleshoot. Golly, Tim. Um, I was trying to think of something that we had extended periods of time. When we built the main cabinet, there was a lot of troubleshooting because when we built our main cabinet, that was before people 
built main cabinets. Right. And so there's a lot of troubleshooting that went into that before we got there. I mean, that was like years of, years of process. Um, I was trying to think. Most of the time, I mean, even if we had to swap out monitors, because you always had spare monitors. So mm-hmm. we would swap out monitors a lot of times to get things going if we had issues. Um, boards, you know, uh, a lot of times if we couldn't fix them, we'd send them off for repair. So it was just a matter of, you know, getting it back from whoever was repairing it. Um, probably the game that gave us a lot of fits was pole position two sit yep. down, um, with all the boards and stuff and, and finally just kind of bulletproofing that and adding fans and stuff helped with that. Um, it took us a while, seemed like to get a kicks up and going mm. one time, but it had, I was going to say kicks was another one, but it, but we had some monitor issues and some other stuff going on. Those ribbon so, cables, like on those Tato games, guys, like they, you've got to make sure that they're, that they're connected properly and that all the pins are, have good solder joints. Cause I mean, I tell you, they come, those, those, the connectors between the boards are problem areas big time. And that, I think that was wrong with ours. It always reset. Right. And um, we, it took us a long time to figure out. I think we eventually just we went with the power supply replacement, and then we redid all the ribbon cable, and I think that fixed it. Yeah. So, and then, uh, you know, laser disc games. A lot of laser disc games. Golly, laser. You know, disc would games. kind of give us some issues. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that we ever got Mach three going. We did. We finally just got rid of it. We had full board sets and laser disc, but the hardest thing was trying to find a laser disc player that would interface properly and would work. Um, and today, there's probably some stuff that would help with that. But yeah, at the I mean, time, we didn't. Right. We, you know, you either we're trying to fix Pioneer disc. I was about to say they have the little SD board now that you can get that runs mm-hmm. the whole laser disc player off like a uh, like an SD card. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, they got that kind of stuff now. When we were doing the Mach 3, we didn't have that stuff. And the only Mach 3 I've ever seen working was a main one. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't... Or I, it was running Daphne. It was running emulation. So, uh, I think it's possible, though, that um, you could have a... I mean... Laser, there are people that have laser discs up and running. You have... The thing is, you have to, to know the players really well. Yeah. That's the key. So... So um, those are just just a handful. Dexter. Is Dexter the board that does the laser disc games? I think Sounds it's, it's Dexter, something like that. So whatever the board is, they have a board now that basically replaces the entire laser disc player. So, which is good. Uh, let's see what else here. Uh, uh, Delusionals Arcade says an Orlando arcade monsters is a letdown. So don't go there, Tim. Okay. <laughs> so that's from Delusionals. Knights of Old, how often should dust be removed from the PCBs, monitor chassis, etc.? Can enough dust kill the board? So, it, okay, here's the deal. It can, but the buildup has to be pretty substantial. Um, I mean, we're talking about layered. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as long as your games are getting regular play and you can really clean them out probably every, you know, two to three years even and probably be in good shape. If, if you're in a pretty low dust environment, maybe more than that. So, I mean, as, you know, as long as the games are working and they're not too dusty in there. But uh, in our experience, Tim, that dust really has to be caked on in order yeah. for it to cause an issue. I've, I probably have had more games not work after cleaning it than I have that fixed just from cleaning it. You know, it's like, um, of course, you know, when we were at Chuck E. Cheese, you would say once a month if right. you had an arcade. But you're also talking about games that I are literally talk about getting played play every play. day. Exactly. So I would think. Um, I mean, a game that gets five thousand plays a day or whatever. You're right. Maybe once or twice a or once a year or every two years would probably suffice. Mm-hmm. If you give it a good clean and blow blow it out, give it time to uh, rest. But you know, um, unless it's really bad, I've done more damage trying to clean something than I have um, just you know worried about it looking. To me, you know, always cleaning stuff. 
Agreed. Uh, let's see. Um, Silly Sausage 72. Thanks, guys, for the info. I like uh, Soul Calibur 2, but would really like to convert to a Mortal Kombat or Mortal Kombat 2. Go for it. Not so, I mean, those Midway yeah. cabinets should be Midway games, in my opinion. Love Soul Calibur 2, by the way. Love that game. But um, probably, whenever I see think of Soul Calibur 2, Showcase Cabinet. That's okay. what I think of. Yeah, me so, too. Showcase Cabinet. Uh, let's see. It's a blue cabinet. Now you got me curious to remove <laughs> the paint and see. Yeah, it's been painted if it's blue. Right. So, yeah, let's uh, citrus strip. Unless it's and a, elbow grease. You think it's a big blue? Um, I mean, probably maybe, but uh-huh. big blue looks different. You would, yeah. you would, if it was a big blue, you would know it because it'd be big, right? Yeah. I mean, midway, Tall. yeah, exactly. The midway cabinets are very distinctive, so you bet, bet you have a midway one. Citrus strip. Have fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's see. Um, oh, Glenn Richards just donated $10, and he, uh, I, I believe he's the Glenn that we answered the question for. Glenn, thank you so much for your question. Good luck getting that Galaxian up and running. Uh, Tim, I'm, I, like we said, I think it's more of a color issue there. Yeah. So. I'd love to hear some follow-up with that, Glenn. If you are able to fix that, let us know. Absolutely. So, um, but thank you for the $10 donation. That's awesome. And if you thank guys you. would like to donate as well, uh, there is a, um, little dollar sign button right down there in the, in the chat called super chat button that you can donate. You can also donate if you go to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate. You can donate there as well if you have PayPal and we appreciate all donations. Danny, I have had my Final App 2 for two years now. It's a double-seater, still plays fine, but the Player 2 has graphics glitches sometimes. Could it be a ROM issue? Absolutely. Sure. So, um, you know, I we always start, anytime we have board issues, we always start with power supply first to make sure the power supply is good. So, since you have two of them, you might even try swapping the boards out, making sure that the problem follows the board, because uh, that'll tell you real quick if it's a board or a regular issue. But, yes, if you're having sprite glitching errors like that, it's usually either... Either because it can't load from the ROM or it can't, it's having uh, problems with the RAM, the video RAM. So, like video RAM issue or video ROM issue. So one or the other. But, um, it depends on what kind of sprite glitching you're getting. If you're getting, um, if you're getting no pieces of the original, a lot of times that could be the ROM. If you're getting some pieces of whatever the original sprite's supposed to be, but they're kind of mixed up, that could be the RAM. So it really depends on what you're looking at there. Um, again, schematics help with that kind of stuff, but I don't know where we'd find a schematic for that one in particular. But yes, it can be a ROM issue. could be a RAM issue as well. Um, anytime, like, first first thing I like to do, I think we do this in inspecting an arcade board. If you have any seated chips on mm-hmm. there, just double check all those. Like, any of them that have the socket. Excuse mm-hmm. me. You have socketed chips? Check the socketed chips first. And just make sure, because, I mean, uh, there's a reason they're socketed. Mm-hmm. Because they're probably going to fail. <laughs> That's right. always what I think. So if you have socketed chips, uh, if, especially in the video sections of the board, check socketed chips in those areas and see if you can find anything. Since you have the other board, if you're brave enough, you can always switch out the chips. So you can switch one from the working board to the broken board. If you want to do that, you have to be pretty brave because you may bro- break a board in process. But uh, that's always an option as well. Let's see. And Alan was saying Dexter. Yes. And Alan does have a Mach 3 game. I think, Alan, you have a lot of LaserDisc games, if I remember correctly. Right? Okay. So uh, you do have the one that's working, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those of us who are not as good at troubleshooting LaserDisc <laughs> do not have them. So, um, Knights of Old, how often should you power up a game and how long to leave it on? So um, when you power up a game, I mean, you power them up when you use them. That's kind of always been our philosophy. So if you're not using them, don't power them on just to power on. Uh, when you turn them on, the only thing that we recommend is, is making sure they boot up all the way before you turn them off. Mm-hmm. Don't let them – don't let them – try not to turn them off during the boot up process. Uh, try to let them boot up all the way, at least get to an attract mode before you decide to shut them off again. Uh, it really doesn't do any harm to, uh, to, to turn them off during the boot up process. Um, sometimes with hard drive games though, it can real, it can be real hard on the hard drive to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. I always like to, about once a month, I, I think I would 
even if I was kind of a time when I wasn't playing a lot of games, I always like to just fire mine up. I think that it, I think it's good for them to run a little bit, but I don't think that it over it helps or extends a life. It's kind of like an old TV, which most of them basically are. You think about it, that TV's got so many hours of life. Every right. time you play or work, it's going down, not going to get better. It's all it's like a person. It's it's really dying at, at any given time. So. The more you run, the the faster you're going to get there, in honesty. Uh, but it, it's kind of random, you know, when games die. It's just, uh, you just take your chance, turn them on when you're wanting to play, and uh, when they go bad, you fix them. Exactly. So, uh, let's see. Um, Effie says, how do you fix the calibration of a screen? screen? Screen goes up and down. And lower the volume on a Superman arcade game. So, here's, so calibration, I assume you're, uh, we're talking about... Uh, size is what it mm-hmm. sounds like. So you said screen goes up and down. So are we getting a like? Are we getting a hold issue right. where you can't get flipping. it right? Are we getting flipping on the screen there, Effie? Like where it will, will the screen will just flip? If so, that's what we consider a hold issue. Okay, and so you need to adjust usually the horizontal hold uh, in order to make that sometimes vertical hold depending on which way it's going for you. As far as the sound goes on the Superman game, um, I'm not sure if that game has a um, a volume control in the test mode. So check the manual for Superman and see. You should be able to find that online. If it does have a ma- if it does have volume control, you should be able to change it there. If it doesn't, look inside your game for a volume control knob. And if you can't find that, wire up a volume control knob yourself. And you can do that. We, we've discussed that, Tim, in previous um, previous episodes of the live show. But I can send you a diagram, Effie, if you send us a um, if you send us. A uh, email questions at arcaderepairtips.com. You remind me, I can send you a diagram of how to wire in a volume potentiometer uh, into those things, so that way you can control the volume that way. But if the board has it in its test mode, then you can do it that way again. See the Superman manual for that, and then um, and then if not, look around and see if you can find uh, see if you can find a volume control inside the cabinet. Sometimes somebody's already wired up that potentiometer, Tim. Mm-hmm. In order to control the volume, you just need to find it. A lot of times it's right inside the coin door. That's a very common place for volume potentiometers to be, so um, try that. Um, on the on the hold issue, um, if your hold potentiometer on the monitor chassis is having issues, right. you may have problems with hold. So you may have to replace a pot on the monitor chassis for that. Um, I was trying to think of what else would cause the hold issue. Um, offhand, I can't think of anything. Tim, any thoughts for uh, FE on the hold issue? No, it's that? usually the usually the pot, but it could be uh, back caps or whatever. It would be a good time to just rebuild the chassis. Yeah. Now, a lot of times if you adjust the hold on the monitor, it'll stop the flipping. But we have, like I said, we've had some before where it's we can't get it just not syncing up, really. You need right. to look at your sink. When I say replace the caps, it might be a sink. Cap issue. Something in the depends on the right the sink section exactly. Right, horizontal vertical sections of the monitor chassis. So, uh, yeah. So for the most part, though, adjusting the hold usually stops the flipping. Um, But if it's something where you're having to adjust it a lot, you may want to change out the potentiometer there as well and see if that helps. And then again, on the volume control, just make check your manual for the Superman, see if you have it in the board, and if not, um, check for a volume potentiometer or wire one in yourself. And again, if you need help with that. Questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com. Right. For sure, website. touch up the solder on the back of that pot before you replace it. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Oh, 
Knights of All gave us $2. Tim, thank you thank for the you. donation. He says, uh, could you post where to buy parts for dead CPS 2 and 3 boards? Um, you know, Arcade Parts and Repair has a lot of stuff, but I don't know if they're going to have stuff for uh, CPS 2 and 3 boards for the most part. Your best thing for CPS 2 boards is usually, you know, Suicide Tim is very common. So the the Undamned Infinikey, can't say that enough. Undamned Infinikey, if you've not heard of that for CPS 2 boards, you need to look it up because that is the thing that will save your board from suicide if it has suicide. Um, CPS 2 boards, a lot of people know they have encryption keys, Tim, on the board. They mm-hmm. have to match up. A battery actually stores those encryption keys. When that battery goes dead, the encryption keys go away, and all of a sudden you can't play the game anymore. And so the Undamned Infinikey will uh, allow you to bring that board back to life. And so uh, highly recommended. Can't say enough good things about that piece of hardware. You do have to install it. It's not a bad install, but um, but that's the one thing I'll say for CPS 2 boards. CPS 3 I'm not familiar with. We haven't had as many of those come through our hands, Tim. But CPS 2 is very familiar with, but the Undamned fin- Infinikey is one of the So if he Googles that, he should be able to you find You will find it, it. Right exactly. Yeah. Undamned is the name of the modder who made it, and he's a really nice guy and has reached out to us in the past and thanked us, Tim, for mentioning it. But it's, he's the one who did all the work. It's a fantastic piece of hardware, and you should get it if you have suicide issues so uh, let's see regular show I have a Superman and I thought there was a pot on the board for volume so there may so that's a good point there so some boards have a volume control on the game PCB itself so your Superman may have that if it does check the yeah. PCB again manual should tell you manual should tell you so okay Tim I think we're caught up right so let us go to Jake's question here okay Jake says, I'm in the process of bringing a Daytona USA Limited single seat back to life. I've changed the lights, etc., but the sound is my issue. I've replaced the speakers with a modern set to test sound. I get sound out of one speaker, but not the other. There are uh, there are also sounds like popping and crackling in the speakers, new and old, that I can't get rid of. I thought maybe the board needs repair, but I don't know where to send such an item to be repaired. Any suggestions? So, Tim, uh, Daytona USA, I know you've got a little bit of experience with this in your Chuck E. Cheese days. What do you mm-hmm. think is going on with uh, this Daytona USA board that we're having these kind of sound issues. It sounds like it's just out of the one side, though. Right. Well, you know, it probably is a board issue that he needs to have repaired. And But you can go, should be able to go into the test mode and to test left and right and should help you troubleshoot some sound there. Um, other than that, you know, there's a, be a sound amp part of the board that you could rebuild. There's probably some caps and some things in that area that you you could reveal maybe a bad potentiometer like we talked about even just refilling the solder there um what am i missing john i I think that um you know it probably is a board issue based on what he talked about yeah and so like you mentioned tim going into the test mode here is going to be a key to this i'm just going to go ahead and bring uh bring up the outline here tim so, Tim, I put a picture of the soundboard and the mixer amp on mm-hmm. here so he can see what those look like. Getting to these things is not the easiest thing, guys. If you've ever worked on a, a Daytona USA, you know this. <laughs> They're right. getting to them. Uh, Tim, you like to say is Sega is a four-letter word, and yep. uh, sometimes mm-hmm. repairing them can be very difficult. Uh, so getting to the soundboard especially can be difficult. The, the mixer slash amp is not so bad. But let's start off this repair by going into the test mode and trying the sound test. If the sounds are working properly, you probably have... Uh, if the sounds are not working properly, you probably have a problem with the soundboard. Okay? Right. And again, picture soundboard. If the sounds are working, check the connections from the soundboard to the mixer slash sound amplifier. Make sure you're also getting good power to those areas. Tim, there are test points on those boards to make sure that you've got power there. Now, you'll notice like the outputs on that mixer amp. Like If you have that unplugged, you may not get anything from one side. So right. make sure that all those connections are, are being made and that everything's connected properly. Uh, that could be a problem. 
Um, make sure you're also getting good power. Like we mentioned, there are places to check the power on these boards. You may need to rebuild, repair your mixer amplifier board if the problems continue. Okay. So now if it is a soundboard issue, two things. One, the soundboard is very common. They use them on a lot of Sega games, so you could probably find a replacement. But you may contact our friend Ken at Advanced Repair Center. He specializes in Sega arcade games and offers board repair. And yeah. you can you can go to his site at iRepairSega.com. Um, so try Ken at, at uh, Advanced Repair Services, iRepairSega.com, if you want to send your soundboard off. A lot of times you can find replacements because, like I said, these are very common soundboards. Then they're used in a lot of games. And how many Daytona USAs are still out there? Right. Golly. Uh, so you could you may be able to find a replacement, but if not, Ken can walk you through um, how to re- how to get the soundboard out and. And how to send it to him if you need the repair. So, Tim, do you have anything else here for Jake before we move on? I don't think so. I think we covered that one pretty good. But, um, you know, just yeah, a little bit of troubleshooting. You could also switch the wires and see if the wires follow the speaker. Yeah. Like, if the problem, it's weird how you're saying one speaker's working but the other one's not. So, switch your wires and see if it is literally the output going to a particular direction right exactly so yeah i mean it just from it it does sound more like the mixer amplifier Mm -hmm. if i had to guess that'd be my guess but we've seen it before where the soundboard is just not putting out both channels okay so i mean it's it's it could be either one uh that's why we want you to try to do the sound test first and then go on to the mixer board from there and just try that and let us know so jake hopefully answers your question and good luck getting the sound restored on your daytona usa game and Silly Saucer 72 just left. He says, thanks again, guys. And everybody in the chat, I'm going to play Dig Dug. LOL. Cheers, everybody. So there you go. Thanks for joining us, Silly Saucer 72. Always good to have you. Always good to have all you guys here. So, Oh, uh, YouTube Punk says, Daytona. <laughs> so Daytona is such a great game. Uh, there's a reason why we still see them around. Right, right, Tim? There's a reason why there's still Daytona USA. And Tim, they remade it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, what is this called? Daytona USA Classic or something <laughs> like that? Like, they literally remade the game. So, I mean, there's a reason why Daytona is so popular. It's a great game still, so. Okay, Tim, here we go with our next question from Vaxed Stories. He says, what should I do if a coin falls through my coin mech without triggering a credit? If I manually move the micro switch wire, a credit is triggered, so it's the mech that's the problem and not the machine circuitry. Also, the other mech works fine. So, Tim... Um, I think we're both going to reject this premise of the mech. Uh, it's, it's a problem with the mech and not the machine circuitry, right? Because, I mean, the mech only does one thing. It right. basically just lets the coin through, right? Right. So what do you think is going on? Why isn't it passing a credit to the game whenever it falls through the mech and on the microswitch wire? Well, this microswitch just needs to be tweaked a little bit. Because sure. uh, when you do it by hand, you kind of do it a little harder, right? You're, right? you're taking your finger and you're actually... Making, you'll hear it make a click, but it may not do it till it's way down at the bottom. So what you're going to do is, here's your wire. You're going to kind of bend it so that it doesn't take as much to make that click. Is the best. You way may bend to it down. It. A lot yeah, of times you bend it, it down. Bend it down just a hair, or even just on the tip on the end, uh, bend it in a little so that it, when it catches that coin, it actually. Uh, triggers it uh, where the wire is coming out so not the end but the closest to uh, the switch where it connects up here on the switch if you'll bend it there down just a hair then you'll see that it doesn't take as much to make it click right and that will help with the coin so if you'll switch your coin switches i bet it'll work yeah exactly. that would prove it right but uh look at your other switch and See, a lot of times, I mean, we're talking millimeters, 
not very much of a bend, but just a little bit of bend down, just a little tweak if you play with that. If you look at the other one, you may see that it's already been tweaked or, or bent. A lot of times, too, they'll have a part that comes in, and maybe it's not in far enough. So not only do I bend the switch down, I usually bend it in so that it's catching. Here's my coin coming down. I'm hitting that switch. A lot of times it won't be it won't be pushed in enough, and the coin will come through and miss it. So coin's pretty thin. Right. Your finger is pretty thick. So when the coin goes through, it misses that. So sometimes you just got to bend it towards um, the towards the mech uh, a little bit. Sometimes just a little tweak there will allow that coin to catch. Absolutely. But it's 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 something. It's almost hard to describe. But it's just a feel, and you kind of get in there and you do it a little bit, you'll you'll get good at it. And I'm going to go ahead and put this through, because this is basically what you said here, Tim. If the coin falls through the mech, then the coin mech is doing its job. Right. Okay, that's what you have to remember. The only thing that the coin mech is responsible for is making sure that the correct coin gets inserted into the slot. It should let the correct coin fall through to the switch while the bad coins get returned to the coin reject slot. That's the only job of the mech. Right. Okay? This sounds more like a problem with your switch. We've had success in the past bending the coin switch wire down so that it has less distance to travel to the actuator when the coin hits it. You can also you can also adjust it with a pair of needle nose pliers. Sometimes you just need to replace the switch entirely. If the that switch is, is starting to wear down a little bit, you may just need to replace it entirely. But we like to just cut off basically the amount of distance it takes. So by bending that wire just slightly down a little bit, when the coin hits, the switch will be further down, which means the coin has more momentum to hit it and it doesn't have as far to travel to activate the switch. So you're kind of you're you're kind of fixing it in two ways there. But hopefully by doing that, it'll start coining up. And like Tim mentioned, if you switch the switches it'll probably start working right mm-hmm. so there you go so vac stories hopefully answers your question and good luck getting the coin switch adjusted on your arcade game he didn't say which arcade game he just said uh, he just says coin door so uh tim glenn has another question i have my eyes on a dungeons and dragons tower of doom on a capcom cps2 but i have a concern over the suicide battery thank you for that tip yes undamned infinity the Undamned Infinikey. Easy install too, Tim. Mm-hmm. Works on every CPS2 game. Fantastic piece of hardware. Right. Brings them back from the dead. Fun, yeah. Right. Go, to, go to Twitter right now. Look up Undamned's uh, Twitter handle and send him a message saying you love that thing. Even though mm-hmm. you've never installed it before. Because that thing right. is fantastic. I mean, it, it is a... Because before that, what do we have to use? We have to use Phoenix. Right. Phoenix ROMs. Basically ROMs that had the uh, decrypted versions of the um, of the uh, things already burned on them. And so every game had to have a different set of ROMs, depending. Mm-hmm. The InfiniKey does all the games, and it's one piece of hardware. It's fantastic. So. Right. And so, even if you have a working game, it's right. good to install because it'll keep it from happening. Exactly. Right? I mean, it's going to suicide eventually. You could keep replacing batteries if you want to keep the hardware original, or you could just install the undamned Infinity and be done with it. Up to you. So there you go. Um, here's but the, here's the thing though, Tim. I've got twelve CPS two boards, and I've only replaced the battery maybe in two of them, and they all work. Last time I checked them, which was about a year ago. Wow. I mean, it's amazing how long those batteries last. So I'm just waiting for one to die so I can install Infinity into it. So there you go. There you go. And I have a Dungeons and Dragons Tower of Doom Tim board that has the Phoenix ROMs on it. Okay. So, um, which, like I said before, the Infinity Key. Um, and Raymond did that for me from mm-hmm. Arcade Components. So, good stuff. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the Undamned Infinity Key you'll find. And there's a video, I think he even has a video on how to install it. If he doesn't, it's on one of the websites where you can do it. So, yeah, so, um, 
uh, Knights of Old says the Darksoft mod. So the Darksoft mod is good too. It's a multi-game CPS2 mod that you can put on a CPS2 board to play multiple games. Uh, they just started, I mean, it was out for a while and then it went away and it just started, I think they just put them back in production so you can start getting them again. Okay. Apparently the new version is a lot easier to install. I haven't done it yet, but I've heard really good things about the Darksoft mod. So if, uh, if that's something you're interested in, you can look up some information on that as well for CPS2. Again, it kind of makes your CPS2 game like a multi-CPS2 system so you can nice. play multiple games. That's always good. So, and it's original hardware, which is nice. So anyway, but Tim, it is time for our quick question and answer, our lightning round that we do here with three questions from different users here, Tim. And so let us go ahead and take those real quick. The first one we have is from Wingo Tango, Tim. Okay. Okay. On adjusting an arcade monitor, I was told messing around with the back of the monitor, even with the power off can kill you. So I, so I'm supposed to mess around. The back there with the power on. Okay. Again, theme of this episode, guys. I think this thing's trying to kill me. Right? Okay. okay. So, right. so Wingo Tango definitely thinks that. Chad says, I have a Neotech 55 or 550DXF monitor out of a Big Buck Hunter Arcade. What cap kit should I use? And then Grant says, hello, I'm having an issue with my killer instinct. The picture is beautiful when it works, but after a few minutes, it goes dark and plays blind. If I unplug it, wait a few minutes, turn back on, it works, but only for a few minutes. Can you suggest a or someone to repair it? So, Wingo Tango, should I mess with the back of the monitor with the power on? Chad, I need a cap kit for a Neotech 5550 DXF monitor. And Grant, um, I'm getting a Goes Dark Plays Blind on my Killer Instinct. Can you suggest someone to repair it? So, Tim, pretty easy stuff this month. Okay. Uh, Let's start with Wingo Tango. So, messing around with the back of the monitor isn't going to kill me, Tim. (laughs) Well, um, I think it's more of an urban legend than truth. I've never heard of anybody dying from right. it. I now, have, have people been severely shocked? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so. um, but if you want to take extra precautions, you can wear rubber gloves, uh, make sure and degauss it. Uh, I mean... The TV alignment tool that we recommend for the horizontal width coils, right. you can use those to adjust the monitor as well, adjust those um, uh, potentiometers with. So, and those are plastic. So a really good thing if you don't want to touch if you don't want to touch those pots with your hand, then you can use the a TV alignment tool to do that. I said degauss, I meant discharge it. Yes, so, discharge it. So you can discharge it and stuff. You should be just fine. Um, yet have to meet, have to go to, uh, have yet to be, go to a funeral of anybody that's actually died from it. Yeah. So pretty pretty rare. I've been shocked pretty hard. I would definitely wouldn't recommend it. Um, maybe. Uh, you know, got an extra radio and one of my feelings, uh, picking up extra stations <laughs> or something. But I've never, I don't think it's really that, uh, that serious of an issue. Absolutely. Uh, so Chad wants to know where he can get a, um, a cap kit for his 550DXF. Tim, I went ahead and did this work for you. Arcade Parts and Repair has right. them. Um, Paradise Arcade Shop has them. Syracuse Semiconductor has them. Okay. okay so and I put the links down below so you can get them any of those. Paradise Arcade Shop, guys, they always sell good stuff. Uh, Arcade Parts and Repair, good stuff there. Syracuse Semiconductor. He doesn't have it on his page, but he could build whatever cap kit you need. So if you tell him that you have a, a 550DXF Syracuse Semiconductor, he'll get one for you. So, um, easy places to do. Now, Grant, Obviously, I have an issue with Killer Instinct. It would come on, then go off, play, unplug it, come on, go back off. What's going on? Or well, where can he send it for repair? He, well, he doesn't want to fix it. I would, you know, of course, we want to highly recommend the people that are that we have used that are on our site. It tells you where to go, but uh, I can't think of anybody better right now for the price than Paul. 
right. and uh, Paul Jurey and uh, PulseMonitors.com, right? Yep. And so I would highly recommend sending it to him. But he's got a problem with the high voltage section, and I would just, you know, if you're not at that level of repair yet, I would send it to him. It's, it's just. Uh, what he does, he does a good job and is real reasonable. Yeah. So you could rebuild the high voltage section, which is usually like, you know, um, we have filter caps in the area, we have hots, we have, um, we have the flyback, we have all that kind of stuff. You could just rebuild that section yourself and kind of start yeah. from there, or you could just send it to Paul and take care of it, paulsmonders.com. That's it, what we're going to It could it. just be a cap kit or something, but you're into the, one of those areas that it could be one thing, could be one of five things. And so, um, and if you just got the time and want to fool with it, uh, you can start there and keep and work your way and look at uh, our repair videos on. Uh, I would look at troubleshooting a game playing blind because right. we talk about a lot of things like that. But if it's a time thing or you're just not, you know, you're not at that level yet, I would send it to Paul. There you go. So I'm going to go ahead and put this up here since Tim just pretty much mentioned all of it here. Um, Wingo Tango, we understand you're nervous about it. You can always take additional precautions like wearing rubber gloves or using the TV alignment tools from our post on adjusting a horizontal width coil. But Tim, we have touched these with our bare hands on several occasions and never had a problem, right? Yes. I have maybe been shocked a little bit, but never never harmed or hurt or anything like that. Um, Tim, it sucks when your hands sweat. Yeah. I have hot hands uh -huh. that sweat all the time, uh -huh. and it really sucks when you're working on monitors because sweaty hands, um, if you touch anything that's electrical with sweaty hands, you get a little bit of a jolt, which sucks. So even when I stick my hand up in a control panel, Tim, I worry because of that. But, um, you know, a lot of times the voltage there is, is, is fine. It's not enough to really harm you like Tim mentioned. But rubber gloves are not a bad yeah. idea. TV alignment tool using that is not a bad idea. So. Chad, like we mentioned, ArcadePartsAndRepair.com, SyracuseSemiconductor.com, should have the cap kit in stock. And I also mentioned Paradise Arcade Shop, Tim, which I put in the in the notes below. And there's a picture of it okay. if you are looking for it there. Um, the one from Paradise Arcade Shop was Xanon's. They okay. actually had the Xanon um, cap oh, kit in nice. stock, which um, Tim has long been a fan of uh, yep. using Xanon cap kits. So there you go. Good guy. Yeah, and then Grant, um, sounds like an issue with the high voltage section of your monitor. You can see the entities listed on the monitor repair services information heading on our resources page at arcaderepairtips.com slash resources. Special mention to Paul Jure for paulsmonitors.com if you want to send it off to someone. Paul may, Paul may be your guy. It depends on what model chassis you have because Paul does... Uh, if you have a common like Wells Garner or Electro Home or something like that, more than likely he can do it. Uh, sometimes he has more problems with like the sharp image, Neotex type stuff. So uh, make sure you contact him, get him some pictures of your chassis, let him know what you got, and he can tell you whether or not he'll be able to handle it. But there's a lot of other guys out there. Tim, we've been recommending uh, Chad for years at ArcadeCup.com. Uh, he's usually pretty backed up, but he does get the work done, so he will eventually get it back to you. Um, and then uh, you know there's several other people again under that heading there that you can send your monitor off to if you need to. Okay. There you go. Uh, let's see. Knights of old. I just got gifted some neon signs. Any upkeep safety tips on those, Tim? Well, a neon sign actually is a lot more dangerous than a monitor. So be careful. Uh, those uh, power supplies on them can are really high voltage. So you just want to make sure that um, make sure there's no problem with the wiring or no glass that's breaking that's broken if it's like glass is broken i would probably take it to a professional sign shop now you can replace a transformer if they're bad just remember they are extremely high voltage so you know it, it's a neon sign to me i have repaired them i've worked on them 
Um, fortunately, it's something you can work on your bench. It's a lot safer than the ones I worked on. I was up on a ladder or something. I never felt very comfortable working on the old Chuck E. Cheese neon signs and stuff. Have had some success, have had some colossal failures. So just be super careful with those. But yeah, they have a little a light transformer. Just think of it like uh, your light in your cabinet. A lot of them have little transformers and stuff, but it's just a much higher voltage. We're talking probably 10,000 volts. So be real careful with those guys. Sounds good, Tim. Okay. Well, I think we're done with the questions section, so let us move on to uh, usually what would be maybe a Tim's tech tip. Okay. This time is like Tim's travels. Are you going to be our Anthony Bourdain? I don't know. Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> so like, no, is this no reservations? Yeah. I don't know. Dives and arcades That's or something, right. you know. <laughs> That's right. So, um, but um, there you go. It definitely helps when they got good food. Yeah, there opinion. you go. So, Tim, you went to El Paso, Texas, like you I told did. us. And uh, what was the place that you went to? I went to Rubik's Arcade, which like, is kind of like Rubik's Cube. Cube. Right. And uh, you can see the sign. You got a picture right, of it. Yeah, yeah. I'll put it up real quick. Yeah. Uh, see the sign on the left. I noticed it coming down the road several blocks. It looks kind of like Rubik's uh, Arcade and Bar. And um, it was, uh, there's just some pictures inside. A lot of uh, that see, second picture is vacation, family. The picture that everybody had in their house, uh, nobody knows what it is, but. Um, Which one are you talking? Oh, the vacation the, family. Yeah, the one to the right of the girl. That's that was the Duran like, Duran album. Isn't okay. It? Well, it had. It was like on. Hey, somebody back me up. That, I think that's the Duran Duran um, uh, album art. It was like uh, you're talking. You're talking about the the picture of the girl, right? Yeah. In the second image there. Uh huh. I'm that pretty sure a, that's from a Duran Duran. That was Duran a real cover. popular uh, picture that was in all the uh, like Kirklands and stuff. They always used to sell that kind of Maybe stuff. Maybe not. Maybe, I know there's one similar to that. There's it sim- looks very, very similar. similar. I was about to and say. And then, right? you know, they had like the arcade artwork all, all around the walls, but one well, of the best things they had some really cool pinball games. Did you, did you get pictures okay, yes, of the I do. Game? Hang on. I've got, I got, yeah, I see, I see, um, Ken on the wall over here. Yeah. That's really nice. Whoever did that, golly, that's really good work. Um, and then you get, so what is this? Is this a dance floor? Here? Yeah, they had like a dance floor. Uh, they had kind of like our old arcade, John. They had. Um, Hang on, thank you, Alan. The Rio album art. Okay, that's Rio. what that is. Okay, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure that is what it is. So. And then they have like music videos playing the whole time while you're playing. Um, the Beavis and Butthead was actually a seat, a chair that you could go up and get your picture sitting in. It looks flat there, but that's actually a chair you could go up and sit next to Beavis and Butthead and get a picture. Um, some of the drinks that they offered there, uh, let's see, what was it? Speedy Gonzalez, Talk Nerdy to Me, Pop Rocks, uh, what's some of the that? The Atomic Squishy. Yeah. So a lot of those. And Tron, I saw the Tron. Tron, uh, Pretty in Pink. A lot of those uh, snozberry sours. Um, so anyway, some of those 80s theme stuff. They had the specialty drinks, which I didn't try any of those. But um, um, now YouTube Punk says Patrick Nagel is the artist on all that. Okay, on those kind of pictures. Okay. So they well, they were super popular all over the place in the 80s. Okay, now I'm supposed to put the pinball machines up here. Yeah. Okay, so you got to play some of the new ones that we haven't. I haven't got to play yet. Right. So um, immediately, I was drawn to the Stranger Things, which is farthest. On the right, they had a Rush. They had a Godzilla. All new things. They had. Uh, I see the, Monopoly. They had a. I didn't take a picture of everything. They had a chocolate Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Did you? Okay, so and I love that game. Okay, let's that talk about fun. what you played. Probably so, my favorite uh, Jersey Jack game so far that okay. I played. So Willy Wonka was good. I've been wanting Willy to play Wonka's it. Was great. Um, you know, the first 
time or two. Rush was okay. Well, okay, let's take one at a time. So what did you like about Willy Wonka? Okay. Besides just liking it. Was it the layout? Was it the shot selection? Was it the light show? Was it the animations? What are the things that you liked about it? Yeah, I kind of liked the layout a lot. Um, it didn't seem like a hard game. You know, like most most of his games are kind of... It reminded me of Wizard of Oz. I mean, it had a lot of toys, a lot of stuff on it, but it didn't take me very long to actually... I think I got the high score of the week or something on it, and it kind of made a big deal. Uh, when I did that, took my picture and put it on the screen, and I think I got a free game or something for that. Nice. Um, most of them, they were all seventy-five cents to play, and I think I spent ten dollars. And and I occasionally I'd win a free game or it would match or whatever. It felt like I played for a pretty good while for ten bucks, which I thought was really reasonable. Um, so Willy Wonka was. Wasn't super fast. I liked it because I was I was actually picked up on the rules and was able to play it for. It really felt like I, you know, first time I played it probably was over in a minute. The next time we I played a five minute game, it started getting up in that getting multi balls and stuff. So I, I don't know. It was it was probably my favorite Jersey Jack game so far to play. Okay, so then uh, let's go Godzilla. So did you play Godzilla? You know Godzilla to me, and I've I've read like uh, I know Mark really really he's got one on pre order. Yeah, really loves it. So Mark, our community manager, and has one on um, to be honest, uh, there's one thing I was going to say about it. I did not like Godzilla as much as the other games. I don't think it was set quite right. Like it wasn't at enough of a tilt or something. It played a little slow to me, and I didn't like it. Okay. And it had a lot of drain balls, and just, it just, you know, just... So and, it, but it I'm may not, have been the way it was set up. It may be in the way it was set up, in an honest opinion. So I didn't get very as far into it to really enjoy it. You ever played a game that you just felt like it didn't feel right, like it wasn't set right? Walking Dead. It was just kind of <laughs> constantly draining. I'm like, I'm shaking, there's nothing I can do, you know, just, I was kind of like, eh, you know, and, um, but... Had I had I got to play it a little bit more, I'm sure I would have liked it. Uh, Rush was probably my least favorite. It was uh, it was kind of confusing to me when to hit the button, when to play. I'm not a super player by so, any means. Let's talk about the button real quick because there are some games that make really good use of that. I think ACDC is a great yes. example with the cannon and right. you know, like you know exactly when to push. I it. I never knew what I was what it was there for. I okay. was kind of like it was kind of like yeah, exactly. I knew I know what to do with ACDC and. So it may just be getting in there and playing it and learning the rules. It was like that. I couldn't pick it up right. really quick. Now, now those of you that have it or played it, you probably um, know the rules. You're probably like, well, duh, you're supposed to do this or whatever. It just as an average player just walking up and wanting to play a game, those games were really quick to me. And so I was way more attracted to the Stranger Things. I probably played it the most of anything and had the most fun. I now, really liked it. Now, you know, Stranger Things has that little blacklight mod too that flips uh, flips the game. Did it have that mod on it, or do you know? I don't think so. You would have seen it. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, because um, I mean that's a mod that you have to pay extra for. Yeah, from, I don't. I don't Star. remember it doing that. Okay. So probably not. So, so what did you like about Stranger Things? What were the What were the key takeaways? Um, was it the theme that really? Yeah, the theme was cool, but you know you. Um, you had the creature. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank right now. The main creature when when you would get the multi ball and he would come up and you had to shoot it in his mouth. It was like it just had a lot of really good shots, and I kept um, I just kept hitting those shots and kept getting multi ball, and I'd get another multi ball, and I was actually. 
people, I'm not a very, I'm, I'm an average pinball player at best. And it seemed like guys were watching me play that, and they're like, "You watch this guy; he's really good." And I was like, "No, the shots were just—they were your shots. They were yeah, my exactly. shots. It, was, had, it had a, a kind of a fast, had a good flow to it. I was about it. to say you, that flow I fit liked, your game. Yeah, the flow fit the game. It did. It just kind of—I'm not one to catch the ball tons of times and look around where I'm going to shoot it. I'm more like it's coming. I'm going to try to hit it over there. I right. wait till it hits the end of my flipper, and I was hitting those shots, and it just felt right to me and i was just like plus the animation and stuff you know have you ever played some of the newer games where the animation you're watching and then your ball gets drained or yes. something? it wasn't like that it was really like when you when when the animation come up you had time to watch it before it kicked it back out and it would tell you i'm coming over here you know and so you use that upper flipper i just kept hitting that shot over and over and um anyway i just felt like to me uh, really made me. I was like, it, it, the pinball bug bit me again when I hit that. <laughs> I haven't uh, had a newer pin in a while, and it really made me want to play some pinball again. So I'm going to be looking when I go to Orlando, maybe for a place to play. Yeah, I, there's a lot of games that I feel like I feel like that the flow of the game fits my the, my play style. So like um, Medieval Madness is one that I always feel like when I play, I fit, I always hit the shots that I want to hit. Right. I get away. Uh, high yeah. speed two. I always feel like I hit the shots that I want to hit, and so I like games that feel like that where I feel like I can hit every shot that I need to hit. I'm a pretty fast player. I either play and get a lot of multiples, get a good high score, or I'm over with quick. Right. So. To me, it has to be shots that I can hit and not sit there and have to catch the ball. I'm just not that great a pinball player. I like, I just like to keep the ball in play and keep hitting it and having fun. And that game seemed to fit my style the best. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. Razor Show says, did you play Mandalorian or Jurassic Park? Did they have those I there? did play, I, I didn't play Jurassic Park because I played it, uh, before. It was a new one, but I played it before. Um, maybe I played one game. I did play the Mandalorian. Um, it was okay. It was, you notice I didn't even take a picture of it. It right. was kind of like, eh, I don't know. Um, I think that this was one of those places where I just kept going to the Stranger Things. It kept, it probably of the $10, it probably got five of my dollars, you know, because I really liked it. Um, and I didn't want to spend a ton. Of, actually, I probably played a pretty good while on ten bucks. I was kind of you got tokens, so maybe they gave me some extra tokens for getting ten dollars worth. Yeah. I don't know, but it felt like it was a good amount. And then I think about that time I was playing Mandalorian. Um, you got to remember that's the when the Dallas Mavericks were playing to go to uh, to see who would go to the championship game. So the Warriors and the Warriors and before the Warriors. No, oh, okay, and, it was uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. So I was kind of watching the game and then the food came and they had some really really good pizza and uh it wasn't just it was it was good pizza it was made pizza uh fresh pizza and uh, you know so, pizza yeah i know pizza so uh was the guy who's been a general manager of two pizza places right it wasn't three. quite the pizza i ate in new york now i had right. some really good pizza there but i didn't play in pinball while i was there so I, once my food got there i kind of gravitated and started watching the game with a couple other fans that were there and we kind of just sat at the bar and watched the game uh but the mandalorian was probably a game i wish i could have i would have played more 
There you go. I did like it. Sounds good. Well, I hope I get a chance to play a lot of these newer games, too. I think, like, the last ones it I just, played were Star, Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy. It's, like, the last newest pinballs I've we played. We just don't have a place here to play them anymore. Nope. And if I if I lived in El Paso, I would probably be at this place every week. There you go. It was fun. So, hi, Marks from Rubik's Bar- Arcade Bar. Yeah, hi, Marks. And also, it was kind of, I had a, a cool... Uh, bar family atmosphere, like I could have, you, I wouldn't have felt comfortable taking, uh, my kids or my wife there, no problem. Yeah, it wasn't good. all smoky or anything, it was sure. just fun, good fun place. Sounds good. Well, we're glad to hear it, Tim, and I'm glad you got to give us your review of some pinball machines as well. So uh-huh. that's always good. So, there you go, so Anthony Bourdain, you know, he can move <laughs> over now, and uh, Tim's gonna take over for no reservations now that he's gone. So there I'll we go. try my best to, um, to, to next place I go to re- so really. Orlando. Really, maybe, uh, and you know they're gonna have some places to play around there. Uh, I wanted to play in New York, like I said, and I just, uh, just couldn't fit it into my schedule very good while I was up there. And I may fall into that in Orlando. Uh, I have some pretty long days there to get everything done I need to get accomplished. But sure was nice to, uh, kinda unwind in El Paso there. I highly recommend Rubik's. And I, I know that, uh, like I said, they have the food, the atmosphere, uh, games. Did you uh, talk to any of the employees or anything? Yeah, I did. I talked to one of them. I asked them about their tech. I uh, told them that I thought the games were super made, super clean. I didn't find there was nothing wrong with any of them. They were all working wow. right, and which was, you know, oh, pinball machines. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> he said, he said, yeah, I don't know that guy very well. It was a night manager, but he was like, a dude comes in, brings a a suitcase full of tools and just all the time fooling with them and keeping them tweaked and everything. And I was like, I could honestly tell that they were well-maintained games. It's very easy to tell if a pinball machine is not maintained. Yeah, so it's I wrote them, wrote them a good review and said that uh, I, I feel like I have somewhat knowledge in that area and that they were very well-maintained. Sounds good. So... Okay, Tim, well, thank you for your review. Hopefully you get to check out something else next month. We'll do another Tim's Travels. I hope so. There you go. So, well, let us go on to the news for this month, guys. And the first thing we have here was some uh, Video Game Hall of Fame news, Tim. Okay. Uh, it start, the headline was Ocarina of Time Headlines Video Game Hall of Fame Class of 2022. But the big entries for us were... Um, Miss Pac-Man, and Dance Dance Revolution. So the World Video Game Hall of Fame has announced their 2022 inductees. Two of the four games have their roots in arcade gaming, Miss Pac-Man and Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, for Miss Pac-Man, the museum called out its more sophisticated enemies and mazes in comparison to the original Pac-Man. With Dance Dance Revolution, the museum highlighted its influence on the genre of peripheral-based music games like Guitar Hero, Rock Band. What do you think of the decision to include these games in the Hall of Fame? Tim, what do you think about uh, DDR and Miss Pac-Man? Preserving? Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I would think that, um, of course, Miss Pac-Man probably out of, um, all, all-time favorites. This is one of my favorite games. If I just sometimes want to unwind, I'll play some Miss Pac-Man. Probably over Pac-Man any day. Oh yeah. And, uh, so I lo- do love some Miss Pac-Man. Um, still feel challenged by it even today. And then, uh, I think the DDR, uh, how it just changed, um, Arcades and kind of brought some people back into arcades, uh, brought a new, um, new, new crowd in, uh, and stuff. And so, um, I can see both of those well deserving, uh, awards, so, I would say. I was gonna say, when we went to round one in, uh, in Grapevine, Texas, Tim, when we were on, uh, when I was on spring break, you would not believe the amount of people. They had couches set up by the DDR machines because people, people would come in, in groups and they would take turns playing. 
you know, and I mean, that's how it was. So like the DDR machines were all kind of around this corner, around that corner, they had couches just set up for everybody to sit so they could take turns playing the games. I mean, it's so popular. DDR is such still a big thing that people love to play. And, uh, and it, it had a huge impact, Tim. I think you could say like on the early 2000s arcade, it brought a lot of people back. Well, not, not to the extent of like Street Fighter 2, but, um, but still a lot of younger generations that may have been one of the first arcade games they played. And a lot of people that normally weren't that type of gamer, you know, that, that, and it was, physical exercise i mean i always remember to see the people sweat i remember we had a female friend that lost some weight i was like what in the world have you been doing she could noticeably tell she lost weight she says oh i've been playing ddr a lot and so you know i think that it kind of just brought a uh, a different type of game which and i think that kind of carries over into some of today's vr games and stuff where you're active you're moving you're doing stuff so uh yeah i love love them both there you go. Um, Michael says that uh, watching drunk people play DDR is hilarious. It, it is, is hilarious. <laughs> Agreed. At yeah. arcade auctions, sometimes that would happen. <laughs> so back right. when we used to do that. So. And, you know, I never felt like I had a lot of rhythm or anything. I'm not that type of person. Um, just never have been very coordinated like that. And But, you know, after playing it when we have one at Chucky all the time, um, I, you do finally get pretty good at it. And you're like, oh, it is kind of fun. And so... I, I can remember and unlocking different songs and, and then, but then watching somebody who's really good at it is always fun, yeah. even today. I got to where I could do a lot of the songs on hard, but mm-hmm. like getting up to expert is really hard. It's kind of, I mean, and uh, Rock Band Guitar Hero is like that for me as well. Right. So like getting to the hard level, I can get up there. It's like once you learn that you don't have to stand in the middle all the time, mm-hmm. that's like when you've broken a wall all of a sudden. It's like, wait, I can right. go arrow to arrow now, you know, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> um, but then. Getting up to the expert level, though, there's a lot of difference. Oh, yeah. And, man, the guys who can do the expert and beyond is amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a great game to me. I still like DDR. And, of course, Miss Pac-Man, still one of the games we get asked about more than any other game. Miss Pac-Man and Galaga, by far, the two games I get asked about more than anything. Every so often at Donkey Kong, but... Not as much. Probably the last collection game I would ever sell would be my Miss Pac Man. There you go. You know, if I had to. Yeah. Okay, uh, Tim, we have some arcade one up news. Speaking of which, and it looks like they've got three new cabinets available for pre order now, Tim. You'll see the Centipede, the Mortal Kombat, and the Pac Mania. That's what we have mm-hmm. here. So um, it's the Atari Legacy Centipede Edition, the Midway Mortal Kombat 30th Anniversary Legacy Edition, and the Bandai Namco Legacy Pac Mania. Each cabinet plays 14 games. Comes with a light-up marquee and matching riser and carries a $500 MSRP. I think these also have online play or online leaderboards, one okay. or the other. So um, so that's kind of nice. Yeah. But they are $500. Orders expected to be shipped in early June. They do come with the riser and the light-up marquee. Tim, that centipede looks really close to an original centipede. The Mortal Kombat looks really close to an original Mortal Kombat. They're getting better yeah, at the mimicking centip- it. The centipede kind of looks like a cabaret, you right. know. And it, I, I think that uh, by having the light-ups... Uh, marquees and uh, the, I think that they're kind of going to cross over. I'm starting to see some people that really used to hate them are starting to come around a little bit because they, they look more like an arcade game and kind of feel like it. And for the price, I mean, what you're getting, I still think it's a great deal. Agreed. Uh, Tim, do you notice anything missing on that Mortal Kombat cabinet artwork? There um, is a, yeah. a there's a certain thing missing from it if you know uh, maybe our um, maybe our live show people can, can <laughs> yeah what's spot missed, it, it what's missing on the Mortal Kombat side um, I know it right off the bat I mean I saw it but uh, those of you guys who aren't um, you aren't is Mortal Kombat 
fans. Tim, do you know what it is? Is it the scorpion that's missing? Not or? the scorpion. Okay. What so. is missing off of it? Should I get I'll I get can the live, something I'm going to get the live chat a minute like, here. But, yes, something is missing. Well, that's a Mortal Kombat 2. right. Okay. So it's a little bit different. But let's see. We'll see if anybody chimes in on the... On the uh, or if you can well, guess, I see it. the dragon. Down the dragon there. is there. Yeah, I true. see that. But from the original, there is, there is something very glaringly missing. And Regzer Show got it. Johnny I, Cage. I was gonna say you're missing the person. That yeah, died. there was a person. Yeah, Johnny Cage used to be on the side of the cabinet, and now he's gone. Okay. So um, I guess they had to do that for licensing issues or something Probably like that. So. Um, people are gonna be producing a sticker that you can put on there or a full side art with oh. Johnny Cage on it. So if you want the original, you can. But yeah, Johnny Cage is missing. Yeah. So uh, let's see. A uh, nineteen uh, K Fox says the modders have taken a real step back, though. At least from what I've seen in the promo images, we have seen that. So, like, I've noticed the um, the pro models of the Golden T Tim. Uh-huh. Apparently, the the viewing angle on those monitors is not as good as like mine, which is cheaper oh. than the pro models. So, um, huh. so so they may be cheaping out a little bit on the monitor to cut some costs, guys. Guys, with inflation happening everywhere, yeah. I mean, they got to do something that. exactly to cut some costs. So, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they did it. Um, viewing angle doesn't matter too much overall, Tim, when you're in an arcade cabinet. It's not like a television where you're looking at it from odd angles. Uh, so, um, I don't know how big of a deal it really is, but at the same time, look, you're still paying a lot for them, so you really want to get something quality. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, Mr. Dwayne 79, I want the Shaq NBA Jam Arcade one up, but $700 is a little high. Have you seen the Shaq one? Yes. So, um, and the Shaq one's like a pro model, it's, it's mm-hmm. a little bit taller and everything like that, so, um. Uh, it does look nice, but yeah, $700, I agree. A little on the high side, so. And Mr. Dwayne 79 also said Johnny Cage. That is okay. correct. So. Good job, guys. There we go. Okay, Tim. Uh, now this one has a lot to do with you and your former employer. Alright. Atari, Chuck E, and the Animatronic Pizza Wars. The Saturday mm-hmm. Evening Post posted this article, Tim. The article covers 40, the 45 year history of Chuck E. Cheese's from the opening of the first Pizza Time Theater in San Jose, California in 1977 to the challenges the company continues to face today from the COVID-19 fallout in 2020. For, and this is a quote from the article, Tim. For 45 years, Chuck E. Cheese has offered a different kind of restaurant experience. It's uncertain how long that the concept of amusement park, arcade, and pizza parlor can last. On the other hand, Chuck E. has weathered changing times, tech, business crashes, and a global pandemic. Chances are that this is one rat, sorry, mouse, uh-huh. that won't be easily caught. So, Tim, it is the 45th anniversary of Chuck E. Cheese. I can um, just... You, you worked for a decade yeah. of that 45 years, right? right. <laughs> Pretty close to it. So um, two decades. So give us some thoughts on Chuck E. Cheese as far as maybe where where they were and where they are now. For from from my friends that are still in the business, and I wouldn't call any of them out because I know some things that are, are. I know right now that every time I go by, it's packed, and the Saturdays are weekends are coming packed, birthdays are coming back. I know for a fact that Chuck E. Cheese sales numbers are beating 2019. Wow. Okay. So. When you're beating 2019 sales before the pandemic, I think that they're going to be just fine. Okay. I, I really think that they're... Now, they, they took on a lot of debt. Made a, they did, and I think that they have restructured uh, somewhat. I don't know if we'll ever see them publicly traded again, which is what I would like to see. Um, but at the same time, when you're beating those sales, uh, and a lot of people are still a little hesitant to go out, but I don't think... Not near as many people. Uh, well, I was surprised when I was in New York how many people are out and about not wearing masks, those type of things, restrictions. That, you know, I got to fly without a mask for the first time. Um, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned. Um, I wouldn't call things back to normal by any means, but at the same time, 
um, I think that a lot of people are getting back out and, and doing those things and uh, groups are going back out to Chuck E. Cheese, stuff like that, which was a big bread and butter when I was there. We did a lot of business from groups, birthday sales, things like that. So I do think they're definitely on the men and on the rise. Sounds good. Well, I hope that they can make it, Tim. I want Chuck E. Cheese to, to go until the wheels fall off. <laughs> you know, Hopefully they'll be around a long time. And as long as they keep producing, you know, good quality games, I think kids will always like Chuck E. Cheese. And as long as there's good games there to play. I think that's the biggest issue, the biggest obstacle they've had. There's just not much new coming out. Sure. And But I do do know, have some information you, you might remember. Eunice Games is now run by the guy who used to be the head of games at Chuck E. Cheese. He's also got uh, my former district manager works for him. Um, so Eunice Games has actually hired some uh, former Chuck E. Cheese people, and, uh, <clears throat> and I don't think that's not a anything I can't tell. Uh, but the fact that they're in the business now that produces the games means that Chuck E. has, I think, a future and games that they will know that will work and hopefully will last and have a little better quality. Absolutely. Sounds good, Tim. Well, we wish uh, Chucky at least in our 45 years, maybe more, hopefully. So mm-hmm. hopefully they'll be around a long time. So. And you don't have any, you still love Chuck E. Cheese, even though, even though yeah, you didn't I don't take the job, you don't have any there, right? No ill will feelings at all. Uh, a lot of people know I went back for a short stint and with just a better job fit for me in this stage of my life. But, um, still always have, um, a lot of great memories there and, um, just, you know, even being a kid, you know, it's a good place. I was, um, up inside of SkyTube doing an inspection today and just brought back a flood of memories of, you know, and uh, always being in the SkyTubes. Of course, there's usually clean up vomit or something at Chuck E. Cheese, but, <laughs> or, or some kid peed up there. But at the same time, it was a, a good, uh, great, great experience. Wish them nothing but the best. Hope that they have uh, many, many years more success. I have video of my brother's birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. I think when he turned six. Oh, fun! Uh, and we didn't have one here at that time. There was one in Shreveport. Wow, and we had a lot of family in Shreveport. So mm-hmm. it's actually video from the Shreveport Chuck E. Cheese, um, and of my brother's birthday. So we actually have, I actually have footage from from Chuck E. Cheese. I should put it up online, maybe. Yeah, you should. So we'll That'd be cool. Point. I don't. I mean, it's like I don't know if I. You know, it's like one of those things. I need to ask permission from my family. Right. (laughs) Anyway. Now, Tim, this was something that came across the feed, and it was just so unusual that Uh um, this Nintendo Skyhawk game, um, somebody posted the footage from the game. So Skyhawk is a long-lost arcade, uh, Nintendo arcade game that includes 16-millimeter film footage of remote-control fighter planes, Tim. Okay. So this footage recently surfaced. From this game, uh, the game used 16 millimeter film footage of remote controlled fighter planes. To play, you must shoot down enemy planes that are projected onto a screen. You shoot as many planes as you can in 60 seconds. The realistic graphics and explosive sounds make Skyhawk stand out from Nintendo's other games. Have you played this Nintendo arcade game? And Tim, before I saw the cabinet, I had never even seen one before. And guys, we've uh-huh. seen a lot of games. We've been to arcade auctions. We've been to arcade festivals. We've seen all sorts of rare stuff, but I had never seen the cabinet for Nintendo Skyhawk. I don't think I ever have either. I mean, you gotta remember guys, this is 1976, so this predates a lot of, I mean, obviously it predates a lot of, um, 
raster graphic or vector right. graphic type games. And so, um, this is, you know, this is more of like what you would find with like, uh, the classic type of arcade games, right, Tim? Like pinball machines before flippers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Now, even though in the seventies we'd still, we had flippers at that point. But you know, it's more of those classic style arcade games before screens and monitors and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it was a little too far ahead of its time. Right, exactly. Yeah. But Nintendo's still around, Tim. So, I mean, it's pretty awesome. And you guys can go look up more information about Skyhawk. If you, uh, if you do a search for it on Google, you'll find a lot of information about it. But the footage is very interesting and the way that the game work was really interesting too. Um, so, uh, you can, like I said, look that up. Basically, it had like two screens that would flip between, uh, with a mirror, Tim, mm-hmm. that would kind of show you like when you were supposed to shoot and everything like that. It's very cool, uh, for the time, very advanced for its time and, uh, cool stuff. So just something I don't think anybody thought would surface, Tim. Just footage yeah. of this arcade game. Who knew? So anyway. Crazy. So you guys check that out. Links below uh, if you want to see the footage. And you can also see uh, flyer and information if you do a search online. So uh, let's see. Um, so Danny said, I remember Chuck E. Cheese before it was Chuck E. Cheese when they were more classic games back then. I think it was Showbiz Pizza, right? Yes. Yes. But, uh, well, Showbiz and Chuck E. were actually competitors. Right. And they, some of the guys from Chucky left. In fact, if you read the story, it's like they had some kind of falling out with Nolan Bushnell and they started their own. And then they would be right across the street from each other, like McDonald's and Burger King, to the fact that um, they realized that they were cutting all the what business there was in half. And both of them were struggling, so they decided to combine the two. So you do have some showbiz that didn't have anything to do with Chuck E. Cheese, and later you'll find Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater in a showbiz. Right. Uh, so uh, a little bit of combining there, but yeah, showbiz was actually um, a lot of games. Nolan, of course, wanted a lot of Atari games and stuff at Chuck E., and uh, these had a little bit, a lot of more mixture of uh, different types of games, uh, Nintendo and so forth. During that time, uh, if I remember correctly. Gotcha. Well, I mean, it makes sense to have Atari games there. Yeah. I mean, I mean considering all. So, uh, Danny says, I know it's for the kids, uh, but got, got to have older games for the parents to remember though. We, me and Tim had tried to pitch this a long time ago where they should have a classic game corner in the store. Yes. Um, for the parents to, to play and, and also for the kids to play. Guys, I took my Pac-Man machine to this family reunion. There were kids and adults there and kids and adults played the game. You know what I'm saying? It's like these games, they stand the test of time. Pac-Man, uh, classic arcade games. And you know why, Tim? It's kind of like what you're talking about with Willy Wonka and, uh, Stranger Things. You could get in front of them, pick them up and start playing them. Well, I think you will see like the world's largest Pac-Man, those games right. there for that reason. Right. There is some nostalgia type games. Galaga Assault. Uh, Galgo so why not put like an actual Invaders, classic yeah. game? That's what I I'm think saying. that just the upkeep and stuff of them, I think there's a little bit of fear there. But if I do feel like that, um, they should all have at least one newer pinball game. But you hardly ever see a pinball game anymore. It's true. It's true. So. Uh, let's see. Tim D6 is here. He says, Hey guys, I'm working on a centipede cocktail table that will play fine for about one to two minutes. Then the screen starts in a nonstop vertical scrolling, Tim. So it sounds like, um, there's something that's heating up there, probably in the vertical section of your arcade monitor there, that, um, whenever it starts to warm up or heat up, then it's starting, it's, it's basically, it may be laying through more voltage or less voltage and starting the scrolling. Um, so you probably need to check the vertical section of it. And Tim, the vertical section is typically where the yoke plugs in, correct? Mm-hmm. So, like, check around all the components around where the yoke plugs in from the monitor tube, and then oh, check that area. Touch up the solder on all those components back there. Agreed. So, like, any of anything in that vertical section, make sure you do. That's very common for stuff like that. Uh, you'll find the vertical IC in that section as well. 
So make sure that uh, all the make sure the vertical IC is in good shape, and then check all components around the vertical IC, and and make sure if you get us a specific model of monitor, we can give you a little bit more insight as to that. So if you know if it's a Wells Garner or something like that, uh, model will help a lot. But uh, you can always send that information to questions at arcaderepairtips.com via email uh, if you need additional help. So uh, send it over there; we'll help you out there. Okay, Tim. Uh, the last bit of news here was kind of the biggest piece of news, and I posted it mm-hmm. as soon as it like. Uh, very, I mean, very shortly after it was posted on Reddit, but I think we got more response from the Ars Technica art- article about it mm-hmm. because the Ars Technica article went into more history about the game, whereas right. the Reddit post was just basically one of the MAME devs saying, hey, the Marble Madness 2 ROM has been dumped and I've got it working in MAME. That's basically all that post was. But uh, Ars Technica actually goes into the history of the game. So this article here, it says, after 30 years, the world can now play the lost Marble Madness 2. And so, um, for decades, Atari's scrap prototype arcade sequel, Marvel Madness 2, has been one of the unemulated holy grails for popular multi-platform, for the popular multi-platform emulator MAME. This has limited gameplay access to a handful of rare cabinet collectors and convention goers. That changed this week, though, with the unexpected and unexplained leak of a full Marvel Madness 2 ROM that can now be played by the world at large. So, Tim, this is a prototype, wasn't released. Um, there's some, there's a collector out in California that has, I think, the joystick and the trackball prototypes hmm. of the game. So a lot of people who have played it up to this point played it at, like, California Extreme, for instance. But he had not dumped those ROMs, Tim, and nobody else had. And then hmm. all of a sudden, guess what? The ROMs show up on 4chan. Okay. <laughs> like, just out of the blue. And so um, now they're posted. It's the joystick version of the game. So not, um, they had a trackball version first, Tim, but I think there was something that joystick games were earning more at that point, and so they decided to adapt it with a joystick. And people are saying that the trackball code is not in the joystick version of the game. So it's okay. actually two different ROM sets. Um, so unfortunately we only have the joystick version right now, but maybe eventually the trackball version of the game will be dumped. So, Tim, what do you know of Marble Madness 2? What is your your knowledge of the game? Have you ever seen or played it at a convention before? Probably not. Nope, never seen, never heard of it. Yeah, till recently. So. You know Marble Madness, right? I'm I mean, sure. That's, I mean, it's a beloved classic. And at I this could point. see why they would do a sequel to it. I'm kind of surprised it never was released. Yeah, and you know, it looks kind of cool because it. it um, because it's kind of like two marbles racing at the same time. Mm-hmm. But they also tried to overlay more modern graphics on it because you got to remember, um, this was like the early nineties. So they had more, they had more graphics that they could put. And mm-hmm. by doing that, they kind of messed it up, I think a little bit. The, Maybe. I mean, the attraction of Marble Madness to me was the way it looked like, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, they added like some sprite based components and stuff like that and graphics and things. And it almost moderns it up too much. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but at the same time, it is cool that you get to race against somebody and you guys are trying to get to the finish line first or whatever. So, I mean, it, it looks really Great nice. Concept. I have not played it yet, but, um, uh, at some point I'm hoping I'll be able to get the ROMs and try it out. So, I mean, this is what MAME is for to me, mm-hmm. is for, is for preserving games that would have been totally lost otherwise. Because this did not see a wide release. This was only a prototype game. And so, without MAME, Tim, nobody would ever get to play this. This just would have sat and eventually probably would have gone away at some point. For sure. So, the fact that we have it now, it's being preserved for future generations. They can now know that there was a Marble Madness 2 prototype that Atari was working on at one point. So, cool stuff. Love it. So, anyway. If you guys have played Marble Madness 2 in the live chat, let us know, by the way. So, or if you're watching this after the fact, say down below in the comments if you played it and what your thoughts are. I want to hear them. So, well, Tim, I think that's going to do it. 
for the live show tonight. And so I'll go ahead and go into our normal spill here that uh, we want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Uh, send the link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Be sure to put a plug-in for your channel so people know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And Tim, we did this with regular show not that long ago, Tim, uh-huh. where we did basically a pre-show. We showed his video during the pre-show. And, Great um, video. Yeah, it gives you a lot of... Uh, it just gives a lot of exposure to smaller channels that may not have as many subscribers or even larger channels who, who would like some more subscribers. Um, we originally did this because... Um, YouTube was going through and demonetizing a lot of smaller channels, and we wanted to help those guys out. So if there's a way that we can help you out, you want to be featured on our channel, let us know, and we'd be happy to feature you here. Um, Tim, before we move on to the contact information, looks like we just got a question in from Cold Flesh and Fangs. He says, I have an issue with my California C- Speed PCB board. When I plugged it in, the PCB board sparked with little flames in a tiny, uh, on a tiny square capacitor. It took the PCB off and there was a piece of aluminum. I, I, can I get it fixed? So, yes, you can. Um, the only thing that we know that would cause that, Tim, would have been a voltage issue of some sort, unless yeah. there was something else on the board that went, that, you know, that went awry. Um, as far as these newer style games like this, Eldorado Games is very good. They are not cheap. But they are very good for repairs, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. So Eldorado Games, will uh, they specialize kind of in these newer style Midway and Atari style driving games. And so EldoradoGames.com, right, Tim? Yes. So that would be the place to send it off. There may be some other places that repair it, too. I can't think of off the top Yeah, of I probably wouldn't. Uh, because of that, you don't know what the root cause was either. So just replacing that component may not do you any good. So I would probably, in your situation, recommend you send it off to somebody who does board repair. We have a list of board repair um, people on our resources page at resources.arcaderepairtips.com. If you go under the board repair NPCB heading, uh, you can find them there. Eldorado Games is there. Uh, again, Eldorado's games, though, they have good turnaround time, but they're not cheap. Uh, they mostly do work for operators, I believe, too, mm-hmm. which is why they're not cheap, is that, you know, operators want to get their boards fixed and returned as soon as possible. So, um, but Eldorado games would be the place that we'd recommend for it. And he says, Eldorado, thank you, yeah. So, um, it, or if you want to find a cheaper, uh, cheaper option, you may check our resources page at arcaderepairtips.com slash resources and check the board, uh, repair heading on there. So. Okay, let us continue on here with our uh, with our um, contact information, Tim. So, uh, change slide. Boom. We have our general email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Put live show in the subject if you want to get it mentioned on the show. Otherwise, we'll try to get around to it whenever we get a chance. That's questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. We have our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. Tim, I try to cover comments from any of the uh, any video that we get on the live show. Mm-hmm. So I do reply to those comments. We we do reply to those comments on the YouTube pages as well. But we also try to cover them here on the live show for a little additional information. So, again, comments from any, any comments left on our YouTube videos, we usually try to cover here. But if you're listening to this on the audio feed and you want to know where to find us, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. We'll take you to the YouTube page where you can look up this episode. Quick reminder about the audio podcast, guys. It does not contain the after show. And if you want to listen to the after show, you will need to watch it on the YouTube page at youtube.arcaderpairtips.com. Uh, teasers for the uh, after show coming up here in a bit, right, Tim? 
Yes. Okay. Podcast feed, okay, so that includes our live shows, interviews, question and answer podcast, etc. You can find those on iTunes at iTunes.arcaderepairtips.com, iTunes.arcaderepairtips.com. And what we'll always say is if you enjoy the content that you hear here and want to give us five stars, make sure you leave us a review there. If you don't, please send us an email. Let us know what we can improve on. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions. And then, Tim, we have our Spotify page at spotify.arcaderepairtips.com. We have our Stitcher radio page at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. Or you can find us wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. Uh, basically, if you do a search for Arcade Repair Tips on any podcast platform, you'll find us. So, again, uh, we have iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcast platform you will find us. Just do a search for Arcade Repair, and we'll be there. And then, Tim, we have our social media pages. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. We always want to thank Mark for all the work that he puts in to posting stuff, especially the pinball stuff, on our Facebook page. Uh, Tim, we've had a lot of – I've been trying to put more content out there as mm-hmm. I find content. So a lot of the posts that you've seen recently are probably from me. There was a deal on a fruit on a fluke uh, 116 multimeter tip. Pretty good deal. If you guys aren't on our Twitter feed or our Facebook page, you're missing out on deals, right, Tim? Right. So you could get you could get a good deal on a fluke uh, multimeter or something else. So again, uh, facebook.arcaderepairtips.com for our Facebook page or twitter.arcaderepairtips.com if you want to follow us on Twitter. Twitter, our handle is just Arcade Repair Tim. It's very easy to remember. You can send questions in there. Or if you just would rather follow us on Twitter instead of Facebook, all the information gets cross-posted to both platforms. So, again, Facebook.ArcadeRepairTips.com and Twitter.ArcadeRepairTips.com for our social media feeds. Well, Tim, that about wraps it up for the regular show here. Moving into the after show. So tell us um, what we're going to talk about in the after show. Well, I didn't really get a chance much, but I do have some shows that I'll talk about that I have been watching recently. Uh, came really close to going to see Top Gun last night. Didn't get to. So, oh, man. But I would like to mention it. Uh, I think that it is uh, worth going to see, and I can't wait to see it. Probably will have seen that by this weekend. Um, we'll talk about uh, a little bit of sports talk, probably about investments, uh, maybe some news. Uh, I did buy a stock, a single stock or a something. A stock, okay. A I'll stock. be interested to know. Something that Tim has held in the past. I have not been buying much at all. Right. I've been holding some. Uh, definitely some bag holding on a few. But, <laughs> but I am holding on for dear life on a few stocks. But... Um, that's that's I'm, who knows whatever else comes up in a live chat and whatever uh, whatever we discuss. So. Absolutely, we'll be talking about Memorial Day. Hopefully, you guys had a good one. Uh, and then, of course, uh, like you said, Tim, uh, sports. Uh, me and Tim both watch, watched the Mavericks games leading mm-hmm. up to uh, when we lost to the Warriors, so we can talk about that a little bit. Um, and uh, Tim, last last live show, I said that I already had tickets to go see Doctor Strange. You did, so I saw it. And so we can talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And Tim, we just found out today that that will be coming to Disney Plus on June 22nd. So okay. you, everybody yeah. will be able to watch it here in 20 days if you have Disney Plus. So there you go. But uh, we'll be talking about some other movies that I've been watching and things like that as well. So we hope that you stay tuned for the after show, which is which precedes the regular live show here in just about five minutes. So if you're here watching us live, just wait about five minutes. Let's go to the restroom, get a drink of water and things like that. We'll be right back with you. But if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, then we want to thank you for listening. If you're watching this live and you're going to get off here and not come to the after show, that's fine too. We want to thank all of you guys for participating and watching uh, tonight, we had a great live chat tonight, Tim. As sure always, is. a lot of great guys in there. Uh, one more thing here, Tim, by Cold Flesh and Fangs. He says, um, my off-road challenge when I turn it on, the screen is green, but the board does not turn on. When I change the power supply, the board uh, turns on, but not the screen. 
what could be wrong? It sounds like uh, the first board may actually ha- be having some sort of issue. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you're changing, like it says, um, my screen is green, but the board does not turn on. When I change the power supply, uh, the board turns on, but not the screen. So when you say the board turns on, does that just mean you can hear it would be the question. And the power supply, a lot of times to the monitor, uh, the, power, the monitor doesn't go through the switching power supply. It should be the same power supply. Unless you're having, like, one of those multi-tap style power supplies, Tim, where, like, you're hooking up the power and everything like that. Uh, what you may try doing is using the power supply where the board works and then hooking uh, power up to the monitor directly from the AC line. What do you think Correct. about that, Tim? I think so. So you may try that and see if that works. So basically tapping the monitor directly into the power uh, instead of having it go through, like, a, a multi-tap style ATX style power supply, actually taking it from the wall into the isolation transformer and then back up to the monitor so that way you can see if it works that way. Um, and then see if it works as well with the um, with the uh, – with the with the board that works because if that power supply is working but it's not putting out it may not be putting out ac power on the outlets that you need you may just need a brand new power supply but if you get power at least temporarily directly from the wall ac to the isolation transformer and then with the um with the power supply that works with the board at least that'll let you know whether or not you're back you're you've got a working game right tim yeah and then at that point you may decide just to get a whole new power supply so correct there we go Okay, so with that said, Tim, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Is there anything you want to say before we head on to the after show or see these fine people next month? No, and we can come back to that question in the after show, too, if you have some follow-ups. And we will talk about anything else, anything including arcade games and repair during the after show, so stick around if you can. Absolutely, yeah. We also take questions in the after show, guys. The after show, the only difference between it and the regular show is during the regular show, we limit our topics specifically to arcade stuff. Uh, in the after show, anything goes. Anything so goes. So arcade, arcade stuff goes as well, but pretty much anything goes from there. So um, there's no topic that's off limits there. Uh, we can talk about anything. So anyway, so I think we're going to head on to the after show for this month, but we want to thank all of you guys for tuning in right here. Uh, we hope that you guys have a great month, and we'll see you back here for the July show tim when is the july show is it gonna uh i was about to say i don't know if it's actually gonna fall on uh is it gonna fall on when like is the fourth yeah, yeah it's pretty close um no it'll be the seventh the perfect seventh. so we actually have um we actually have five weeks tim one two three four we'll have a five weeks until the next show usually we have four tim so we will see everybody back here on thursday july 7th so in the meantime have a happy fourth of july absolutely Enjoy some time with friends and family. Enjoy your summer. Absolutely. And get some games going in the meantime. Yes, and if you need to get in contact with us, of course, questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com in the meantime. But we want to thank you again for watching. Stay tuned for the after show if you can. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when we fix the game, we play the game. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you soon, either in the after show or next month for our next live show. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.